Clear Skies is now live. Hailing Frequencies is open. And I hope everyone just heard all the profanity that Sam was shouting at me before we went live. Because it I was didn't say a single profanity. It was magical. It was absolutely magical. Uh, hello, everybody. Welcome. Hailing Frequencies are open. We are live here with our half our cast for Clear Skies tonight. Tonight's a very special episode. We're doing uh, the Nimbus 3 mission story arc. And then next week, if everything goes smoothly with this group next week we should be back to seeing what's going on back in the shackleton expanse um but we'll get to the recap here in a minute before we begin tonight's episode does anybody have any announcements that they'd like to make before we jump in to tonight's episode i do yeah tell us what yeah. you got yeah so um i believe uh the uh, if you haven't checked, if you check Twitter today, um, it was announced that uh, Eddie Doty will be running a game of Phoenix Dawn Command, and I'm going to be part of the cast, and it's going to be freaking amazing because I will be going full feral in that game, y'all. <laughs> very excited in general. And it's going to be here on Q Times, so you can check us out here. And I believe the start date is September 15th, if I'm not wrong. Oh, and that cast. Wow, that's right around there, and uh, it's. Oh man, the cast, I wanna make sure I don't forget anyone. So I'm gonna pull up my list. But I know it's Aliza, uh, I know it's um, Abria, it's Aaron Stanley, and it's me. Uh, so there's only four of us, but I was like, oh no, don't ask me a question about the game, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fun chat. Four lovely ladies. Um, and I'm just really excited to, um, you know, get, get our spook on but then also get like our warrior on and i think that if you haven't played phoenix dawn command it's like this wonderful like deck building game and i think that eddie has like such great like story behind it and so i think it's gonna be a blast and so you should tune in come check uh, it out as a quick reminder for those of you who don't know the name of Eddie Doty, he is a good personal friend of everybody's. Ed Doty uh, was one of our our, uh, our leaders over at Geek and Sundry back in the day. If you liked the show Vast, you can thank Eddie Doty for that one. Um, Eddie Doty was also responsible for helping me launch Shield of Tomorrow. Um, he is he's an old salt, and we love him dearly, and we're excited that he's finally running a game for us. Plus, Ed Doty is former military, so I am excited mm -hmm. to see what he does. With Phoenix Dawn Command, which is right, a very it's like game about like, war. It's gonna yeah. be. It's he's he's gonna he has things to say, and I'm very excited. Um, yeah, platform to say it, so it'll be great. All right, and that's September 14th. You said 15th. Okay, cool. That's the Tuesday, um, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, are there any other announcements? Yes, Bonnie. Of uh, this, <laughs> right. this past <laughs> Saturday, I. Uh, guested on Dungeons and Things, or dear old friends over at Dungeons and Things. Uh, they do a Starfinder game on Saturday nights, uh, and they just premiered their season two uh, premiere episode, and I was a guest on that, and it looks like I'm guesting again, and for who knows how long, because my character just apparently got stuck with them, so. If you can have a Bonnie, get a Bonnie. That's, that's kind of the philosophy. That's yes. kind of that's kind of the way that goes. I play um, an android named Model Three Nine Two who has a memory wipe, who does not recall how to play the system or the game or anything about the world, which is why I've never played Starfinder. Yeah, I can, Bonnie. Your voice, I can totally see you being the next next Trisha Helfer, who just like constantly voices AI and cybernetics yes. all the time. Ever since she was in BSG, like she is a machine. Ever since then. Thank you for your compliment. Yeah. 
Um, the only announcement that I have is to wish everyone who is a fan of this incredible science fiction story that we adore so much, Star Trek. Tomorrow is Star Trek Day. The very first episode of Star Trek aired uh, tomorrow. It'll have been 54 years, I think. So I believe that's correct, 54 years. But um, yeah, tomorrow is Star Trek Day. So definitely give a shout out to your fellow Trekkers and Trekkies. Um, I, you know, we could we could spend a good 15 minutes just talking about how much we love Star Trek and how much it's done for our lives. Uh, and it still wouldn't cover it. But uh, just wanted to wish everybody out there, if we don't get the chance to see you tomorrow, of course, online at any point, happy Star Trek Day, y'all. Um, if I could recommend a couple of Star Trek sites, uh, just real quick off the bat, if you are a fan of Star Trek Adventures, I highly recommend continuingmission.com. If you're interested in learning the intricacies of Star Trek Adventures, I highly recommend the Complex Games Apologist on YouTube, who does some excellent uh, explanations of the rules and has helped me understand extended tasks. Thanks, dude. Um, and if you want some good loving on Facebook, I recommend Star Trek Shitposting, which is a never-ending fountain of pure genius. My, followed my by Square Trek, which you can find on Tumblr and mostly on Twitter. And then, of course, all the cast members. Um, as also a quick note, um, oh, damn, I didn't think to look this up. But just so you guys know, um, the two of the actors from Star Trek Voyager, Eric Wang and... Oops, do you know what I'm talking about? Are you, talking about the, are you talking about the podcast that Tom Perry? Yeah, the Delta Flyers. Yeah, they, they so, watch every episode and talk about Star mm -hmm. Trek. Highly recommended to any Star Trek fans out there. Garrett Wang and Robert McNeil have their own podcast called The Delta Flyers. Um, there, there's already been some beautiful moments. It's a really great podcast. The last podcast I just want to give a big shout out to, of course, is our very own Below Decks podcast that was started way back in Shield of Tomorrow and is still going today. Um, you can support those guys, and they always do great recaps. So if you haven't caught up with Clear Skies and you want a quick catch up and you want to know what the hell's happened and hear some interesting commentary, highly recommend their podcast. It's a lot of fun. Also, and look up to Boldly Watch. It's a podcast with Jake Michaels and Becca Scott. Right? And, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they're, been doing and, they're, yeah. and they're basically watching every TNG episode. And uh, I just recently guested on it because. Because, of course, they did a Data episode where he plays Sherlock Holmes. And I was like, hi, guess who's an expert? Of course. Well, nothing, also, but I'm guest anyway. <laughs> if you get a chance on Twitter, last thing, if you get a chance on Twitter, look up Women at Warp. Highly recommended. Also a great resource and doing some really rad stuff. Elise has been involved with that. Um, highly, highly recommended. That's all I got. So I think, unless there's any other announcements, yes, Sam DeLev. Yes. I actually have real announcements. So, what? assuming that everything goes within the parameters of according to plan-ish, I won't be here next week if we're doing this uh, half and half swap. So I can say, uh, for I can announce this week, I am going to be on D&D Celebration on September 18th. Uh, that's the Friday at 2 p.m. PDT. We will be playing A Darkened Wish, which is based on the comic canon D&D series written by B. Dave Walters, our GM, and drawn by Tess Fowler, where I play Aiden, 
the absolutely charming swashbuckling young man. Uh, we've had a ton of fun through season two, and now we're doing a live show. I'm very excited, and you can come watch. But as for tonight, we do not go to fantasy. No, we go to space. Eric has been hyping it. I have concerns, but I also have excitement. <laughs> With that, let's begin tonight's episode of Clear Skies. Welcome back to Clear Skies, everybody. Let's go ahead and jump into tonight's game where we last left off. We had a crew divided. We had some of the command staff dispatched on a shuttlecraft all the way across the galaxy. Now, for those of you who don't know, the destination was Nimbus 3, a very notorious world that was originally set up to be a diplomatic hub for the United Federation of Planets, the Romulan Star Empire, and the Klingon Empire. It has long since fallen into complete disarray and at one point was even a hub for the Orion Crime Syndicate to the Galactic North. But as it stands right now, it is essentially a cesspool. It is a poverty-ridden crime pit in the middle of the neutral zone between Romulan and Federation space. And the only reason that they've been dragged out this far, which by the way, puts them on the other side of the Romulan star border, they are on the opposite end of the Romulan Star Empire from Narendra Station and their family currently on board the USS Ross. As they conduct a mission here on Nimbus 3 to try to locate perhaps an entryway into the Romulan Star Empire that would be a little less noticeable than, say, a Federation starship, they have stumbled across something even better with a caveat. They've stumbled across what they are looking for right here on Nimbus 3. The implant to a Romulan Tal Shiar. However, it is still currently embedded in the brain of a Romulan loyalist. It's unknown whether this Romulan is still alive or not, but they have revealed that this crime lord, Athena, has revealed to them, Ativa, excuse me, Ativa has revealed to them that she has this Romulan body in captivity and is willing to uh, discuss terms. Meanwhile, on the other side of the galaxy, the USS Ross 
staging a rescue operation once again of Particle Fountain Observer Station for the Jashashian people has found itself cornered and up against the wall, conducting rescue operations while there is a cloaked Romulan modified Tavaro-class warbird out there that can firewall cloaked under the command of the infamous Admiral Mindak, who has been relentlessly hunting the USS Ross in his obsessive search for Sorex, the defector of the Tal Shiar, who apparently is on board, who he apparently knows is on board, only he's not on board. He's across the freaking galaxy on Nimbus 3 right now. We'll be catching up with the crew of the USS Ross next week, if all goes according to plan. But tonight, we start our episode off with Sorex flanked by his entourage, the Captain, McCrell, Lacat, Prawl, and a very large Gorn, Slabaz. Y'all are currently standing in a small underground space, a bunker, which looks like it is filled from floor to ceiling with canisters, cargo crates with security code lock clearances all over them, torpedo tubes that look like they've been emptied out, warheads removed, and maybe coffins. A confirmation of the fact that when you have all entered here, the Andorian crime lord who led you down here, Ativa, has revealed that in fact one of these crates does in fact have a body. She has opened it up and revealed that there is a Romulan loyalist inside. It's impossible to tell if he's alive or dead. He's wearing the full regalia of a, of a Romulan Imperial officer of the Navy. He's very pale, not looking healthy and unconscious. And right now, Sorex, who is currently the point man on everything, is staring at him with eyes widened in surprise. Ativa is leaning up against this, this Andorian woman who has a curious cloak over her head that only allows to show a little bit of her antenna coming out the top with white hair spilling out the side. A unique little cloak that actually fills the, the immediate space in front of her with cool air. And you can see these wisps of cool air kind of trailing out from underneath the hood in this blasted hot temperature world that is essentially a desert ball in the middle of space. Andorians, as you know, don't require cold air to move around. It's just something they enjoy. And she is either enjoying that or the look on Sorex's face with a big white grin that spreads across her blue lips as she stares at all of you reacting to the revelation that there is this Romulan in this tube. And with that, she says, we can make a deal. Since I seem to have what you're looking for. Um, obviously, Dr. McCurl has no pockets for uh, a medical tricorder. Would, um, would she be able to, just by looking at this uh, Romulan, to see, to assess his health? Can I make a medical check, basically? You could, um, but I'm warning you, if you pull out your tricorder, you might I don't have one. Away. I, I, I'm wearing a slinky dress. with. I don't have a tricorder. I what was going to use my medical expertise to kind of assess to see if he's alive. Like just from here, just visually looking at him, it's impossible to tell. Okay. He might be in a coma. He might be in stasis. He might be dead. I it's, wouldn't pull out a tricorder and blow a cover. Come on. Right. So, uh, Sol as Vel just sort of leans over it, uh, kicks their leg up a little. Is he dead? 
I'm gonna try and follow the captain and put my leg up on it. <laughs> on the okay. thing too. And be like, is he dead? <laughs> One of the bodyguards does take notice of that. Uh, Slabaz glances over and might be actually glancing at the two of you for a moment. Oh, <laughs> I was like to kick the leg distracted. up the back, like, you know, the knee? Uh-huh. Um, Jane looks to Relix for a second and then to Prawl and sees if any of them are going to be saying anything. And if not, she's just going to ask. Yeah, Prawl, Prawl is actually two things. You get the impression that Sorex is about to speak, but you also get the impression that Prawl, judge, you know Prawl, the cat, judging by the widening of his stance, he looks like he's ready to quick draw if he needs to. Right. He's being very still and non-threatening. He's, he's, of course, shrouded, covered in a hood with the glasses on everything and the wrap on around his face. He looks very intimidating in this place. No one seems to be particularly agitated by him, though, but Prawl is ready to pull his, uh, a weapon if he needs to. Okay, great. Um, so I think that Jane is going to um, like just mentally like put herself in the same space of like, I'm going to need to draw if I need to draw. Um, but if she sees Sorex is ready to talk, she's going to wait to hear what she says before she okay. asks the obvious. Sorex keying off of his companion on his arm and reading the room says my pet here makes a very good point is he dead and the andorian puts her hands up and she says yes i don't deal in living romulans not unless i have to and she smiles at him kind of knowingly but then she immediately enters a code and you see this thing goes Unfortunately, I have to keep him in stasis. As you well know, the implant in the back of his head will cause significant degeneration and destruction of the body if it's allowed to persist during a dead-like state, a way of protecting the information that might be held within. There is someone who might be able to help you, though. And we might be able to make a deal here. If you're willing to listen... But before I make this pitch to you, I'm going to need some honesty. And she leans very disrespectfully against this, the, like this coffin and just says, Sorex, I've trusted you for a while now. I let you and your companions in here. One of them I know quite well as rather well-armed, and she nods to the Gorn, who glances away from the Cation just for a second, and just looks back in the direction of everybody else. Um, she says, if I make a deal with you to give you this implant, am I going to have to look over my shoulder for Talshar agents for the rest of my life? Sorex smirks and says, you crossed that line the moment you accepted that into your custody. But if you want my honest assessment, no one, not even Klingons, carry a grudge like a Romulan. However, we only pursue those grudges if they are convenient. And you're on nobody's censors for now. What's your deal? Seems to regard him for a moment, let that sink in. Glances at the rest of you for a moment. And she says, I 
There's something I need from someone here at Nimbus 3. I've been trying to deal with him for a while now. He has friends that can get me things that I need to bring order to this town of chaos. As you know, Nimbus 3 is not exactly hospitable. It doesn't have much of a future. But there are some of us who might actually want to see that change. In order to do that, I need to be able to protect my interests. He has access to what I need, but what he wants is unattainable for me. However, it's possible that an agent or former agent of the Tal Shiar might possibly be able to succeed where my minions have failed. So you're asking me to do this person a favor so he can give you what I want and in return we get this. That's right. I can stage an introduction. Oh, I love meeting new people. Me too. Again, Sorek's reading the room and hearing what you guys are actually saying to him. He nods and says, You've done me a kindness trusting me. So I'll return the favor. What is it you're after anyway? And she goes, No, don't worry about that. Take comfort in that what happens on Nimbus 3 stays on Nimbus 3. This world has been a lawless cesspool for a while, and it's time somebody turned this into a place we can all live. Enough for you? Sorex kind of adopts a new posture and says, it makes no difference to me. Of course it doesn't. Well, let's go visit our friend. Follow me. A few of the people begin to follow her and she stops and goes, you all stay here. You know how he doesn't like a crowd. Shall we? And by herself, walks out the front door that she led you all in. Sorex glances at the two of you, playing the role, caresses your arm for a moment, Azari, and then begins to move forward with a smile on his face. As y'all are about to leave, Slabaz pauses and looks at one of the men and just says, If there's anything left of the body after the implant is removed, I'll pay for it. Never had Romulan before. He watches rather horrified as Slabaz walks out the door behind all of you. As you're heavily thudding up the staircase, Slabaz, you hear him say to you, uh, Lakat, who's kind of right in front of him, he just, you hear him go, <laughs> Everyone thinks Gorn eat people. Fools. <laughs> Lakat is genuinely curious. She wants to know what Gorn do eat in that case. You but, ask him? Yeah, I actually, she actually does. Um, well, if not people, then 
I enjoy fish. You and Tech would get along. And then she focuses back up ahead. You can see his brain trying to work out that sentence, clearly thinking you're actually referring to technology. And his <laughs> eyes narrow for a second as he's trying to put it together, but he doesn't say anything as, the, as you all continue walking. He just kind of plays off like, yeah, like in those conversations where somebody just casually says something, but supposedly you're, they assume that you know, and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Jane thinks he's he's got it, so you know. <laughs> he doesn't have it. He just kind of nods and goes, "Like, did he get that? <laughs> Do I need to make sure that the other person in this conversation understood what I said?" Jane is not that person. Right. Um, she's back uh, paying attention. Um, she would like to make as much of a mental map of this place as possible, though, as we're walking. Okay. So the streets of Paradise City. This is not a very large settlement. It was clear that this was mostly designed to be a large hub for three embassies, three of the major powers of the quadrant, to come together and to live comfortably. But it's small, and it's falling apart. The population of this place has probably varied over the years, but this place couldn't support more than maybe 500 people. Um, and judging from the disrepair and the poverty that you see in the streets, this place has also become something of a waypoint for the disenfranchised and the lost. And by poverty, I mean you see people clutching children. You see, uh, you see people, this is what it is to live outside of one of the major powers. When you have fallen off the galactic map and have become forgotten by the galaxy. A far cry from the pristine streets of San Francisco. And somewhat reminiscent of the stories you've heard from your parents of what it was like growing up in Cardassia before the military took over. All of these just kind of echoing as you're walking by looking at all of this. And what shakes you out of it is you all see where you're being led. It's only about four blocks from where you were. Not making any conversation, she beelines straight for the location y'all are headed for. And you see a very large dome tan building, cracks beginning to form in some of the outlying structure. But outside, clearly stated, you can see the words clinic painted on the wall very crudely. And as y'all are all approaching, you see a, a woman, a race that you don't recognize, but it isn't necessarily unfamiliar, with these large porous holes in her head, clutching a child. She has deep blue skin as she's escorting her child out. These vibrant purple eyes glance up at you, slightly larger than humanoid eyes as she glances at all of you kind of nervously and takes her child and shuffles away. Her child is smiling and saying, I feel better, mommy. And they move off to the side. As you are all approaching the entryway to this clinic, the Andorian Ativa at the front of the column pauses and turns and stops all of you. She raises her hands and says, before we go in, you're gonna see some things in here that might trouble you if you care about the sort of thing that you're about to see keep in mind two things please one this man has done a lot for nimbus three saved a lot of lives and two he's the only doctor here on nimbus three so please don't upset him you're about to use my name to make this connection, and I don't want to ruin it. Can we all agree? Sorex glances at all of you and says, 
I think I can speak for my companions and say that we will behave ourselves as we have thus far. She says, follow me. You hear this grinding sound of a door that slides open on its own, but clearly is just matted with grime, this sort of scraping, rusted, as the door skids open. And the lot of you enter a very well-lit, looks like a sparse laboratory. The first thing you notice about this place is cool air hits you in the face. And you can immediately hear the whirring sounds of almost like a server room, like the place is being run cool for a reason. It's sparse, mostly of like worn aged metal all over the place. You see a couple of empty canisters with like barrels, like metal containers that you would see. They have been opened, they are empty. They don't seem to have anything inside. One of them is overturned. In the far corner, you see what looks like a cot that has been repaired and has blankets and a comfortable place to live as well as uh, all sorts of trinkets laying around. So on the right side of this building is a little more familiar to a medical lab. You can see what looks like an operating table, but also what looks like a tech table with some junk laid out on it. But none of that grabs your attention as quickly as the Borg that's laying on one of the slabs. It immediately catches the attention of everybody as they walk into the room. It is clearly from the look of it as dead as things can get. It is a collection of bones with Borg tech drilled into them. It looks like somebody probably had gotten a hold of a Borg and the bioorganics had rotted away. However, you can tell from the computer display that it's over its head and the lights that are glittering across the surface of this thing's facial displays attached to a skull that the non-organic side is quite active. There's a display right above that you see this line going across. And at first, you're not sure what it is. It looks like it might be some kind of registrar for a heartbeat, but it's completely like it's wobbly, slightly wobbly on this green, sickly green display. She raises her hand, Kiva, and comes to a stop. She says, stop here, stop here. Diane. Yes, Akiva. You hear the Borg's voice coming out of the display screen. The screen just wobbles. It says, your doctor is waiting for you. And you watch as coming from around the corner, leaning out with goggles on from a display case from the back of the room. If you would like to uh, introduce yourself and describe yourself Dear friend who's muted. <laughs> That's right, I knew that. Uh, <laughs> he's uh, honestly kind of what you see is what you get. He's a human. Um, looks like he hasn't showered in quite a while. Really doesn't seem to take care of himself much. Um, doesn't look like he gets out much. Uh, are we in my lab at the moment? Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, and do I, was I expecting people? No, you oh. you had pretty much seen your last patient for the day. Why don't we go through, why don't we give you a description of what you're looking at? So first of all, you see 
a Romulan, very handsome with angular features, slight strands of gray hair and the dome cut hair that's very typical of the Romulan star empire. Very pronounced ridges on his forehead with a quizzical brow looking at you and he's flanked by Azri, who looks like... Six foot five Orion, dressed in extremely skimpy black leather and seemingly glued to the Romulan's arm like arm candy. And on the other arm, you see Macrell, um, who is a Cation, uh, very short for a Cation, about 5'4", wearing a red slinky um, Paradise City attire dress on the other arm. All right. And then you see uh, Lacat, who is a 5'10 Cardassian, who is wearing Cardassian military uniform and is posing as a bodyguard next to the albino trill who looks a little like John Wick. <laughs> yeah. The albino trill who is, in order to protect himself from the harsh environments of Nimbus 3, is completely wrapped up, masked up with goggles on, a hood on, completely wrapped and looking something like an intimidating desert, like Mad Max style enforcer, just shrouded. But behind him is a Gorn that reaches upward to about eight feet tall. He's wearing leathers strapped across his chest. He's so large that his posture is actually affecting him a bit. His shoulders are slumped forward. This thick reptilian, almost dinosaur-like alligator skin stretched across these thick muscles that look like tree trunks branching off the side of his torso. These big, yellowed glassed over it looks like these ocular uh implants that the gorn are known for sometimes wearing almost like a mirror finish they make his eyes look like he has bug eyes like they're segmented like an insect's eyes but you know them that those are ocular glasses mm. that gorn can put on and take off at will um the notice the, the big thing you notice about him is it seems like he has some kind of assault weapon on his back like a like a like a maybe a gatling gun something that looks like an artillery piece that's been lifted and strapped to his back it might be affecting his posture. He doesn't seem, I mean, his outward appearance as a Gorn is intimidating enough, but he seems rather enraptured with where he is and is a little distracted and not really paying attention to you. This, of course, is all flanking Ativa, who pulls her hood back, revealing her beautiful features, that big white smile and then behind big blue lips. And when she sees you, she says, don't get angry. I brought them because I have an solution to our deal problem. I don't get angry. You know that. I have 11 phasers hidden around the room wired to an experimental AI that will read a micro aggression and shoot anybody who even thinks about shooting anything, so I don't need to get angry. You have... You have friends? They're new in town? They don't know you? Uh, I'm acquainted with Sorex here. She not kind of motions to the Romulan who nods to you and says, Sorex and I did business some time ago before he departed Nimbus 3 rather abruptly without saying goodbye. He's returned and he is looking to make a deal. He's trying to get his hands on the Romulan's Talshiar implant that I have back at my place. <laughs> you don't have an implant. Where would you have gotten a Romulan implant? That's uh, that's that's ridiculous. I have my ties to the black market, Keel. I can get things. Okay, let's uh, let's say you have this implant. Uh, what do you need from me today? Obviously, uh, you know I 
I can't afford anything like that right now. They want the implants, so here's what I have for you. Your friends, your shadowy friends, if we can make the arrangements for the weapons that I asked for, Sorex here can can get get you into the medical lab underneath the former Federation facility here on Nimbus 3. (laughs) How do they plan to do that out of idle curiosity? We're very skilled. Right, right. Persuasive, some might even say. Apparently. Well, I'm going to need a little bit more than that. I'm going to need... You have that implant? Do they have that implant? The implant is on the body of the Romulan that I have back at my base, and I was prepared to give it to them if they are willing to get you what you need, and then you can get me what I need. I'm a... I'm going to need that implant. I'm going to need that implant and uh, at least some of that body. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to need that. If that's all right with the rest of you. That's fair. Sorex glances around and says, "We the implant is the purpose for our being here unless there's an alternative way of doing this that I don't know about. You see, he kind of throws that question open, almost expecting to see if maybe one of y'all are going to catch it. Why do, um, why do you need the implant? Extrapolate. Extrapolate. I... You see Sorex, Azari, you can tell Sorex, he's... He, he realizes the same as everybody else that you guys have hit a wall. <laughs> um, you, you see him debating for a moment he glances underneath his eyebrows he just glances up and looks at all of you and says i need the implant because i was fortunate enough to have mine successfully removed however the damage to my brain has caused a significant loss of memory and it is theorize that the energy output of these implants that the Tal Shiar puts in us could potentially restore that which has been lost. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's fair. That's fair. That could be done. That could be done. Uh, see, this is making sense now. See, this is a problem. Trying to get into a medical facility that's not a that's not a problem that's that's a step you need to solve a problem you have a problem now this i can handle uh um uh, hold on uh, uh diane uh yes, scan, scan the the romulan's uh, head meets just full scan scanning this green glow from the ceiling and all of a sudden this laser-like line just Scan complete. Borg nanites detected. <laughs> you see... <laughs> Akiva's eyes widen and goes... The fuck? She immediately turns and looks in terror 
at Sorax. Sorax, who doesn't seem to show his face, but he exhales and says, there's nothing to worry about. Borg nanites were used medically and safely to restore portions of my brain that had been destroyed by the implant's removal. Dr. Keel, I'll tell you right off the bat right now, nobody but a top doctor with knowledge of how to exact an extraordinary amount of skill in that kind of operation would be able to succeed at such a thing. Plus, you're also aware that the only time Borg Nanites have been successfully utilized has been portrayed in some of the research that came back from Star from uh, Starship Voyager from when it returned from the uh, Delta Quadrant. <sighs> Ativa, thank you. Uh, I think we have some kind of arrangement. I will finalize this arrangement with these wonderful people that you have brought me. Your, your business here is concluded. And I can expect we can deal with the weapons and your shadowy little friends? If everything goes well, yes, yes. Now, adults need then, to talk. Adults! She raises her hand and says, have fun. And you see her glance at Sorex as she's leaving, almost like she doesn't know him anymore. Moves past all of you and exits the door. Grinding sound as it closes. <laughs> <laughs> you do the wave, <laughs> Hazarine. She glances over her shoulder just in time where you see this heavy grinding door just come to a close. And you are supposedly alone in this room now with this eccentric doctor and this Borg AI. And 11 phasers. And 11 phasers that and Jane 11 phasers. Before, so she turns to the doctor and says, any chance we'll know where those phasers are located? Uh, no, I lied. Uh, there aren't. Uh, anyway, we're in business now. So, you need to deal with your friend here. He's had one removed, and he needs some way of fixing the damage that this thing did to him. Uh, right. Sorex? Uh, uh, Sorex, is it? Yes. I might be able to help. I can probably help. I think I can help. Usually if I think I can do something, I can probably do it. I can do it. Do you need us to give you a can do with it? Well, What's that? Do you There's crosstalk, sorry. No, I was waiting for Sam to go first, but I, Jane said, do you need us to give you a pep talk? Because she doesn't. she's looking at this doctor and she does not trust him. He just said there are no phasers in here. First of all, probably a freaking lie. But uh, she she's not that convinced that he can do what he can say he can do. So when he's like, if I can do this, she turns to him and says, do you need us to give you a pep talk? <laughs> uh, no, I, I only ever need pep talks from people who are smarter than me, nothing personal. Would you like to give me, or would uh, you like me to give you a pep talk then? <laughs> well, uh, I'll tell you what, split the difference. Uh, Diane, what would I need to uh, pull this off? I know, I know, we're missing some supplies for this sort of. We were going to do some sort of operational brain surgery. What, 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 what's still needed? To extract the Romulan device, you would need an optotronic fusion core. Mm. Uh, In order to power the laser scalpel required to remove such a delicate procedure. 
Uh, what would be the closest location of uh, said tools? The most likely location is the Federation research facility that you wish to break into, Doctor. Well, that works out all right. All right. You get me into, uh, get me into the building. Uh, I take what I need, which will be honestly quite a bit. And uh, there will probably be facilities there that will allow me to perform some uh, surgery on your friend here. In return, I get to keep whatever I remove. And uh, uh, four, four vials of four vials of blood as long as they are nanite active four vials four vials of my blood yes your blood yeah that would your blood i i already have if it makes you feel better a containment system for borg nanites it's just what you have is <laughs> special uh i would like to poke it preferably when it's not inside you i think that that would be the optimal outcome for everyone yeah it seems too personal you know when the blood's inside you I'd rather keep things impersonal. So I'm we help fine. you uh, rob this old uh, Federation dump. You pick up some, you loot it, and uh, we get what we need. Liberate medical supplies if it makes you feel better. There's a lot of people who need medical attention on this rock. I do what I can. Yeah, I hear you're the only doctor. Some doctor. And I just look over my shoulder to the pork skeleton. <laughs> Yeah, Borg, it looks like it was a Borg drone. Doesn't look like it was a tactical drone or anything like that. It looks like a standard Borg drone from the looks of the arm aperture. But it also looks like it's been dead for quite a while. And it looks like he has, in, in something you have never seen or even heard of before, Saul, it looks like he has successfully melded technology, like, like uh, an amalgam of Federation and uh, unidentifiable computer technology and hardwired it into the headpiece to create what looks like a a brand new ai based off of the information supplanted by the borg implant chip essentially has made a borg intelligence separate from the collective that kind of lives on its own impressive isn't it uh i've kept most of it running pretty successfully there's a and the whole thing still operates with oh less than half a gram of protein matter still attached uh one of my greatest achievements Why i'm quite beautiful you hear diane say over the intercom just filling this entire room thank you diane so i will need those nanites i will need the supplies that we will liberate from the building and you are suggesting that you conduct the surgery to reinstall this implant into my head? Well, I am probably the most qualified person you're going to find in several systems. So yes, yes, I am. You see uh, Macrell's hair bristle, her fur. Cat <laughs> <laughs> fur begins to stand just, slowly like, on end. Cat got your tongue. She's just literally like <laughs> holding her tongue tight. Yeah, she doesn't want to blow any cover, but she's just, mm-hmm. <laughs> the 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 Cation equivalent of the jaw clench um it's like it's like uh you did obviously you didn't mean to offend, offend anyone here you're just stating fact but that was an insult <laughs> he seems to think about this for a moment and says 
let me ask you this. Is there any way... I don't know how to request. Is there any way... What I'm trying to do is restore the memories that were lost without having to reinsert a death chip into my head. Is there any way to do that using the technology? Maybe. I'd have to see the device, see if it's actually got some sort of a plank to uh, 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 previous data, if it's got uh, some sort of recording system, if it's uh, Hell's old, some sort of uh, um, uh, log of memory history. I, I honestly haven't taken a look at the thing. If you let me take a look at the thing, I could uh, happily answer, but... So if you were going to look at it, we would need to get it from Ativa. So we get the chip first, and then we get you your medical supplies, is that correct? And then the That's deals... That's correct. And again, no promises, but I will do my very, very best. And my very best is, to be fair, very, very good. Then how do we give Ativa the guarantee that you're going to give her whatever weapons that she's asking for? Since that's what she wants for the chip? She knows me. A handshake deal is perfectly valid. I have to live on this rock, too. And this sounds amenable to me. And he glances a little bit over to you, Azari. I have a question. Hi, Val. Uh, it's healthy to have questions. How come it's so hard to get into this medical facility anyway? Why do you need us if you have, like, weapons and uh, shadow friends? Well, Federation is Federation, and this thing's been abandoned for a while, and no one really wants to kick up dust. No one really knows what's going on in there, and... Uh, my Federation credentials are complicated, and uh, I would need help getting in in the first place. And, well, I'm not really one for this sort of investment without something in return. Not breaking into a Federation uh, building alone. Sorex <laughs> again kind of just says, this sounds quite amenable to me. I squeeze his arm like a, yeah, this works for me. So, we will contact Ativa and tell her she has a deal. And then I will use my skills to get us into this Federation... Is it a base? Embassy. Uh, it's a, uh, a abandoned embassy. Of there course. plans for this rock that apparently didn't come through. So, here we are. Do we expect resistance? I have no idea. Fair. Well, I will contact Ativa immediately, and perhaps you could entertain my guests, my comrades, while I make this arrangement. Yeah, get the get that thing here as quickly as possible. Ah, uh, actually, before you go about those blood samples. I would love to get a get a uh, jump on that. Very well. I'm 
<laughs> Jane, Jane, you're over. like, I, I can reach across the room and squeeze this man's neck right now. Just, yeah, yeah McCrow's not happy either. <laughs> hey, but, but like, I'm the bodyguard here, and so like, status level, can't say anything. Um, but Jane actually does speak up in that moment and says, "You, we don't pay until the job is done. This is, uh, this is part of the job. I have to know what I'm dealing with, so fine for the medical supplies, but if you want me to figure out how to do this, I need to start scanning whatever it is that these uh, Romulan cowboys did in here. Uh, I don't know the tech that well, so I need to start taking a look at it. I'm mostly specialized in the You want to tech. know how the nanites were able to repair my brain? Just and also if they're going to make anything difficult later. And also because you think they're nifty. That's very fair. Now, about that, I just grab the uh, an extractor and just okay. go in, and it, it'll just take four in four quick pumps. Sorex kind of his torso jerks as you basically just slam it into his chest. It's enough where the gourd in the back doesn't move, but Prawl twitches. Doesn't do it, anything, but he twitches. I put it down. Um, I get a colorful Band-Aid and stick it on without making that. <laughs> you, you see, uh, as Sorex is covering his, his peck where you stabbed him a good one, you just reach over and put Band-Aid right across the clothing piece, and he just rubs it a little bit and says, thank you. Mm. Uh, Diane. Yes, doctor. Uh, start, a, start a full full scan. Running preliminary I, scans. Let me know what we're dealing with. And, Modified uh, medical Borg nanites matching the specifications as transmitted by Starship Voyager upon its return from its journey through the Delta Quadrant. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nanites display a remarkable regenerative capabilities. Enhanced. No connections, however, could be established using these. Stand by. Stand by. That's fine. So the big question here is, are they helping? Are they hurting at this point? Are they going to be able to turn off? Are they going to cause any problems? Are they going to fight any surgical augmentations that we attempt to do? Uh, do we have to remove them? Do we have to leave them active? Do we shut them off? These are questions. Questions that would probably be vital to answer, unfortunately. They're not available to me personally. And you see, while you're not looking, uh, Dr. Keel, Sorex glances very quickly at the Cation when he notices he's not being stared at and then looks back. Uh, what were you going to say, Bonnie? I was going to say, is is the doctor off to the side, like kind of talking to himself and like not really paying attention in a way? Uh, no, I would say he's standing right in front of you and is quite invested in the conversation. Okay. Though. Yeah. I'll, just, I'll be patient. This will take a while, but in the meantime, we can... Uh, uh, gather anything that you might need. We'll head in that direction. Do you have a plan for getting into this place? This is not really my my uh, expertise. Breaking into Federation facilities is something of a specialty of mine, and... I squeeze his arm unnecessarily hard. <laughs> Azari letting a little bit of that irritation <laughs> take him on display. Um, a small grin cracks across his face, and he just says, However, before we depart, I, of course, will need to contact Ativa, and if I may be so bold, I actually might need to sit down for a moment. 
the heat along with the blood extraction has made me somewhat dizzy. Uh, there's a patient chair. Feel free. Uh, he. I'm gonna keep him on my arm and I'm gonna walk him over. Like okay. Like you know, he's my patient. Um, Tal, I'm gonna have you make a roll. Oh yeah. no. I don't like the sound of that. <laughs> okay. So I'm gonna have you roll. Um, add your insight. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is for Talison. So, oh, Doctor Keel, roll your insight plus your security. Uh, and, and I'm gonna set the difficulty for this at two. So you'll need to roll. Let's see. So your insight. Eleven total. Yeah. So you'll need to roll eleven or lower. On two d twenty. On two d twenty. One's a two, the other's an eighteen. Uh, uh, two successes, though. Yep. Okay, great. Um. So, uh, before I continue, um, when we are done playing this game, for the love of God, before you go back to your D and D campaign, like burn sage underneath your dice. Since oh, these are, are not my dice. Oh, excellent. <laughs> excellent. Go outside and bury them since they won't be geared to rolling ones for successes. Well, I'm um, using cursed dice. Someone you don't like for D&D. &D. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, using an opal, are you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> all right. So you're watching all of them, and, and your, your instinct has been kicking in from the moment they walked in the door. You kind of just like, you didn't really care before because all you saw was an objective in front of you that you could achieve, but you're starting to slowly get the impression by the way they're behaving and the measured way in which they're responding and the questions that they're asking that they're not, they're probably not who they're acting like they are. You're not sure who they could be, but they could be just, they could be elite bodyguards. It's hard to say. I mean, it's a Romulan Tal Shiar agent or former Tal Shiar agent standing in front of you. But this Orion, the Cation, the Cardassian, it's a motley group. And you're getting the impression there's, there's an undercurrent here that they're not telling you. It's a read you're getting. Where did you say you're all from? Answers, answers. <laughs> Who do they look at? Uh, that's a great hey that's a great question i'm gonna have everyone roll oh perfect okay <laughs> so um i'm gonna have you guys roll your control plus command and the difficulty will be two did we get any momentum off of Tell i forgot the success number okay oh, uh, uh, no no because we wouldn't get success off of him would we uh, i don't know yet. he might add to the threat pool if Difficulty was two. He got two successes. So okay, no. then we're fine. Then he's, you can't use my yeah. uh, deception focus, unfortunately. Well, I rolled <laughs> 20 on one of my dice. You rolled a complication! Oh. Dun, 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 dun. And of course it's LaCat. Of course it's LaCat. <laughs> but the other one is a six. So, uh, but I don't think my... No, no, that works. Uh, no, it doesn't work. So too, too, okay. Yeah, right? I'm totally picturing LaCat just going, well, I'm certainly not a Cardassian Federation starship officer from the USS <laughs> Frost. Uh, that would be insane. <laughs> the irony is, is that like of all the personalities here, LaCat has kind of kept her own. And right. so um, it's, it's, it's just her playing security instead of playing science. Um, okay. And uh, yeah. So how do you respond with the con? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enact that complication. Tell me what LeCat's response is. Mm. 
Um, so, okay, well, well, first of all, you, you, you're like, I want answers, I want answers, and I think LaCat's response is literally just saying, we have special knowledge of Federation because we have a lot of experience in it. Uh, okay. Um, I think she's still mad at the comment about the smarter pep talk, and so um, I think she's she's gonna recall that and and say uh, I, I thought you didn't like getting pep talks from people who aren't smarter than you. Now, what's interesting about this, Doctor Keel, is when she says all this, she doesn't seem aware that she spends the first three seconds staring straight at Azari Saul, the mm -hmm. Orion, whose name you don't have yet, but the uh, six foot plus Orion that's towering over the Romulan on their arm. Um, it's almost like this, this Cardassian almost looks like she's looking at that green one to make sure that everything she's saying is on the level and then turns her attention back to you. Just clearly the comment you made earlier really pissed her off because it kind of makes her forget herself for a second. Absolutely. We're going to say it was the comment and it's just, she looks like she wants to strangle you. And so, <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I think that the temperament of the Cardassian getting the best uh, of her. It's, it's like, we have a lot of experience from with Federation, uh, with the Federation extrapolate that from what you will doctor, because you are so smart. After, um, she uh, just after continues to talk herself deeper and deeper into a hole of reveal. She yeah. keeps like trying to drive an insult into you, Doctor. And every time she does this, she doesn't even know she's doing it, but she's occasionally glancing at the Orion again and again, just this is blinking. The worst twenty I've rolled. I mean, <laughs> it's so vain. But um, yes, yeah, she digs herself a pretty deep hole. Yeah. As a way to distract from the LaCat rant that is happening, uh, <laughs> as I'm moving Sorak to the chair that he's set to like sit in, I'm going to swish my tail extremely obnoxiously and like just to try and like get his attention to look over here and look back and be like, I am from wherever you want me to be. And then sit Sorax down and just kind of look at LaCat a little bit. Like, I mean, <laughs> bound to come up uh out sooner or later and so it might as well be sooner might as well have an element of honesty here if he's going to steal our blood so he's you're in charge from i'm gonna uh, turn to uh Azari. so you're in charge of these people i have a certain sort of authoritative air i like to think mm. Because one can tell one the later. Mm -hmm. Diane, scan for technology on our Scanning. guests. Diane begins to list. Um, there is a Federation phaser rifle currently strapped to the back of the one who is a joined trill, apparently, completely wrapped up. Um, there is an emergency Federation communicator located um, underneath one of his belts. And the scan probably would never have picked that up because it has a dampener on it. However, Diane is Diane. You get to see, you get to see, you've seen this, that, that particular device you've seen before too. Um, it's not something that you just kind of 
have on you. But the Federation phaser rifle is kind of a giveaway. You also detect um, on... No, actually, that would be it. Everybody else, if I remember correctly, is pretty much wearing uh, weapons that were found on uh, Taraz's... His, his baby. So, <laughs> so we can all it. just look surprised and go, oh, Federation! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so at least one of them has Federation tech on them right now. Which one? Uh, the one that's all wrapped up and has like all, right. all the wraps on him is completely shadowed and whatnot. The one who's been the, the most quiet next to the Gorn. Huh. Well, you've had some run-ins with someone, so either you've been uh, pulling weapons off of Federation, or you are Federation. You're clearly not Romulan, or else I wouldn't be pulling this out of somebody's head. Uh, definitely not Klingon. I uh, will just speed it up for me. Well, I think what needs to be known is there's no version of this where we're not uniquely qualified to get into your facility. You've just proved it. I'm going to feel better about this whole transaction if I do know who I'm dealing with. At that point, um, Prawl does finally glance, but it's hard to tell who he's glancing at. His head moves, but he's so masked with the goggles on. You don't know who he's looking at, but he does have, and you can hear the like the leather cracking around his like the high collar as he glances over at the rest of the group, like waiting for some kind of signal or a sign, or he's just listening to what y'all are saying. <laughs> you, on the other hand, McCrell, who are sitting very close to Sorex, hear him mutter something in Romulan. In human vernacular, it would probably be the Romulan equivalent of an exasperation, uh, something along the lines of Jesus fucking Christ. Um, as though this healthcare operative is watching everything crumble right in front of him and he can't do anything about it. I'm going to say the exact same explicitive incation. Incation? Yeah. Which just okay. basically sounds like an angry purr. Okay. <laughs> cat's like hey i may have found some gold down here <laughs> okay uh so a heavy silence falls upon everybody you show me yours maybe i'll show you mine you're all way too bad at this i know exactly who you are <laughs> and i'm gonna go walking into the back of my of my uh um uh lab and start rummaging through a through a bin Okay. You can all hear the noises. And Prawl, at that point, since he's gone, Prawl looks at all of you and just says, this is going well. I think so, too. Uh, <laughs> while he's away really quick, I'm going to turn to Sorax and be like, we do not have to put the chip in your head. We could make an adaptable neural trans receiver to activate the nanites to do the exact... Like, basically trying to tell him as much information as I could so he, he can hint it later so I don't have to say it out loud. His hand so I'm just snatches. Gonna ramble he, medical. He grabs your hand as you're starting to fire off all this medical jargon, and he says, "Doctor, if this is happening here, you're going to have to speak to him. I can't make these calls. I don't know what you did to me." Okay, maybe I can try and make him think that he came up with the idea. Good luck. Thank you. I come back and I have 
just some paperwork with me. I throw it down on the desk in front of them. You also do. You, uh, okay. Not yeah, just just some paperwork, maybe a photograph, or just a just a dossier on myself. Okay. Um, okay. That's it down right in front of you guys. I'll take a look. I go back to grab a couple more things. Okay. Um, you reach down this paperwork. You see, this is old stuff. Um, it looks like it's on the glossy paper that looks like official Federation uh, documentation that is not on kept on data pad. This is a physical copy of, is this your service record? Is this kind of like your history? Just, just early, just the, just the, just the basics. Okay. Just the early stuff. If this is to be believed, Azri, this gentleman's name is Dr. Aaron Keel. He was the chief medical officer of the USS Webster, a ship you're not entirely familiar with. It was a Nebula class starship from the looks of it. And as you keep like moving down, you end up like lifting what looks like this glossed, like this synthetic layered protection across these documents. As you pull it up, you actually see that as you withdraw that, the material itself, this is actually digital. And as you pull it up, you see that the tech that is actually inside the under part of this translucent, almost like plastic covering is basically constantly revising and filling out the paperwork as you scroll through it. So it's almost like this sort of like scrolling mechanism of physical documents. You've seen the Federation use this in the past. They switched to pads almost exclusively not long ago, but this is not old tech at all. But what grabs your attention is, is that at the very bottom, you see that the USS Webster was destroyed at 359. Hmm. Let me see. Has he come back yet? Because he was going through something. I'm grabbing a few a few things that I know I have that that for Yeah, I'm coming back. I'm grabbing it again, putting it away. Um you also as he as he comes back, um you see a couple of other things that stand out to you. A, a point, uh, at some point, he worked for the Daystrom Institute. There's no indication as to when and where and like how long that lasted, but he was uh, in residence at the Daystrom Institute very for at some uh, some amount of time. And it looks like his specialties are in cybernetic augmentation, nanotech, and experimental technology. Um, and just, just to clarify, Eric, because I'm not a Trekkie. So when you say destroyed at 359, the important piece of information there is that it was destroyed, not that there was like an event that happened at 359. It, oh, so, it was destroyed yeah. in, the, in the biggest Borg attack in his, like the Borg right. fucking desert. Yes. Okay. So, Rave, in your, in your TNG watch through, have you reached uh, the point where the cutest of Borg shows up? I have not because it's I don't. Okay. It's great. You're going to love it. It's called the best of both worlds. You're going to love it. Um, it is one of the pivotal moments of modern Trek history when the greatest villain of the Federation is essentially introduced. And the Borg essentially send a single cube against the Federation and they were not ready. And 30, 36 ships destroyed, if I remember. A lot of ships, a lot of life lost. Um, Captain Benjamin Sisko, that's where he lost his wife. Oh boy. He was at Wolf 359. Wolf 359 is a system just outside of the Sol system. And it was it was yeah. one Borg cube, if I recall. It was a single Borg cube. 36 decimated. Uh, it was something like, 
yeah, it was like 38 or 39 ships, yeah. but I do know that it was about 11,000 people died in that. Oh battle. boy. Okay. So this would be prior knowledge that we all go, oh shit. At yeah, every every Federation officer has to learn about it. Everybody knows about it. There is currently like a monument out in mm. the debris field that is still at Wolf 359 to commemorate the loss of everybody there. People who are survivors of Wolf 359 in Star Trek are treated like survivors of Pearl Harbor. Okay, copy. Yikes. Does yeah. that make Jane feel any more sympathy for Keel? Probably not, but- It's there kind of like this gasp moment where you're like, holy shit, yeah. he was there. <laughs> That's what's wrong with him. <laughs> like, this dude was there. Um, like, this explains everything. <laughs> yes. And you're starting to build a story as you're looking at this because you're seeing the Borg corpse, the eccentric behavior, the no longer a member of Starfleet. Like, you're starting to get a profile here, Azri, of who you're dealing with. This guy was the chief medical officer. He used to be a rank of commander would I have, his starship. Would I he recognize his name at all due to his like, Would I no. recognize his no, you, um, oh, you know what though? Actually, no. Actually, no. Because here's the thing, McCrell. When you were implanting those nanites to heal, you would have absolutely come across some of the research and preliminary work done by one yeah. Dr. Aaron Keel, who is one of Aaron. the leading minds in nanotech and cybernetic technology. You could see that he had done some pretty extraordinary papers, but was essentially, for the lack of a better, more graceful way of saying it, kicked out of Daystrom mm -hmm. or pushing the boundaries of mm -hmm. ethical work regarding board technology and nanite technology. Aggressively retired. He moired it for those of you who know Overwatch. <laughs> he he um, he was pushing the boundaries, and Daystrom, after multiple warnings, said they had had enough. You remember that from your research. His name pops the moment you see his name. You're like, you also know that he vanished. He apparently he he left serving in Starfleet, worked at Daystrom, and then after Daystrom, he vanishes because you were trying to pursue more of his work to help uh, Sorex. And now you're looking at this late middle-aged human uh, drop more items. What are in the items that you put down as you grab more and set them down? Oh, I didn't set them down. I'm just oh, you didn't set them down? With okay. Me. Any questions? Mm. So I assume Federation, Federation. I don't know about the rest of you. Federation, maybe Federation. <laughs> Uh, Romulan, I don't know. That's that's, uh, that's interesting. <laughs> that's very interesting. Cardassian's interesting too. <laughs> it's hard to say. Cardassian's Cardassian, pretty iffy as well. So, how did that kind about? of work end you up here? Well, oh, I found the Daystrom Institute was not prepared to do what was necessary to make sure that another. Wolf 359 never happens uh, and decided we mutually mutually decided that the best thing to do was for me to uh, uh, continue my work elsewhere uh, somewhere where I was less likely to be um, arrested but the, the work must continue things must be done we can't afford to have another 359 uh, so I sit here I do my work. 
and when the work is finished, maybe go home. Maybe not. They're certainly not going to arrest you here. I would hope not. Who would do it? Oh, nobody. There's 11 phasers hidden throughout this entire room. I'd like to see them get through. Jane's back to looking for the 11 phaser. <laughs> um, as, as you're looking around, Slabaz, the Gorn, has spent a lot of time when he's not watching the Cation shake her thing and like glancing, kind of like getting distracted. He He's glancing back at the walls and when he notices Yulakat glancing around, he leans down from his height and whispers as much as a Gorn can whisper. He just says, I still haven't found any. If they're there, I don't see them. I don't trust this one one bit. Keep looking. Okay. Still don't see them. So. Don't like this. Federation, I'm assuming. I'm assuming Federation. Assume. Fair. What if I did an ID scan? Did that even be possible? On them? Yeah. Uh, you know, considering you wouldn't be able to necessarily scan them, but let me put it this way. If they are Federation, it's not going to be hard to look up Orion and Cardassian. Diane, identity scan. <laughs> I don't normally do this, but... So you can feel a tension building in the back of your neck as the green light, zzz, as he's continuing to drill and gather information. Um, I'm good for it. I'm banking that uh, his database is out of date, which means I would have been undercover last he had it. Uh, okay. It would pop McCrell and would pop Prawl, but I don't think it would pop the others unless he has done a very recent database hack. <laughs> Either way, it tells me something about him. So, McCrell, what you see is up on the up on the display, which normally displays medical charts, you see mm -hmm. all of your faces. The Gorn and the Romulan, you don't recognize. The, the computer does nothing to say on them. The rest of you, except for Prawl, all see your Starfleet files start coming up on the screen. I hate that picture of myself. It's Everyone, your personnel file, personnel so file photo. it's not, this is not, this is not easily accessible. This is your fucking personnel files. And you see them going, match 99.8783% probability. Captain, Azari Sol, USS Ross, NX76710. Well, that'll do it then. All right, we can speak freely. Um, at that point, Keel, as you're saying, oh, that'll do it then. As you're glancing, you start seeing the list of alkylates on Azuri's personnel file. And right at the top is Starfleet Intelligence. Uh, you see, um, you also see the commendations, uh, the former captaincy that they have had. Um, you see uh, Lieutenant Lacat's profile coming up first cardassian to serve in starfleet science officer all of the alkylades biology particularly botany is a specialty um mccrell grabs your attention lieutenant commander mccrell mccrell has an extraordinary list of specializations in medicine that you actually find quite interesting uh bonnie what are your focuses in medicine 
as they are listed here on your personnel files. Uh, yes. So obviously like xenobiology, infectious diseases, uh, experimental medicine, emergency medicine. Uh, she served in the Dominion War on the front lines as a, a medic as well. Um, obviously like, like botany, xenobiology, psychiatry, um, but yeah, uh, surgery. She's a very skilled yeah. surgeon as well. The experimental medicine definitely grabs your attention, but you also see at the annotations at the bottom, and this is what grabs all of y'all's attention, is these are up to date. And you can actually see at the bottom of the personnel file, McCrell, Dr. Lieutenant, Lieutenant Commander McCrell, is the one responsible for conducting a successful nanite surgery on what they has been listed as the Romulan defector. Close all the files. Ooh. Sorex clenches his jaw and says, how could you have this? How'd you do it? Uh, McQuell? McQuell, is it? McCrell. McCrell. Yes. So. Dr. McCrell. Now I'm pissed. Now I'm like, <laughs> right there. Yeah. How'd, you, how'd you get the nanites to do that? That's amazing. Carefully. I'm going to have to hopefully get to see that data. That's very interesting. Well, you all... obviously have all of our files. You could read my paper on it. Submitted to Starfleet. Paper's paper, but talking to people in the middle of things is always more illuminating. Both both of you, uh, uh, Lacat, Krell, very interesting. Very, very interesting. I have some papers you might enjoy as well. It's good. And uh, Captain Sull, is it? Sure. Let me, uh... I imagine you're feeling a little vulnerable at the moment. Sure. The cat is out of the bag. <laughs> Let me uh, put your mind at ease. And I quietly, uh, quietly away from everyone else, just show my badge before putting to, it back in my pocket. To Azari? To, 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 to Azari. Okay. Because, he... of, because of what I read. Okay, he moves up to you and he holds his hand and he flashes a little piece of metal right in front of you. You see a Starfleet insignia and half of it is coated in black with a single metal silver tip down to the right. You've seen this only once in a briefing and you have an idea exactly as to what it is. And there's this shock of ice that lances up your spine the moment you see it. You've All right, been I'll roll myself a Clarus check. Okay. Oh, dang, we're good. We're very good. That was a very okay. good Okay, you keep control. <laughs> You've seen this before, and the only person who has ever talked to you about this was Ree. Admiral Ree discussed this with you in private because it was a ghost. It was a ghost story that gets told by Starfleet intelligence operatives. No one actually believes that this is real. Even though that there was a lot of stories that were getting passed around during the Dominion War, it was never officially confirmed. But Ree sat you down. You'll never forget the night you were in his quarters. The two of you, it was the night before you were leaving Starfleet Intelligence and you were going to serve on your first command, captaining that Nova-class starship. You were sitting across from him at the coffee table and he was pouring a cup for you. He leans back and you see him sitting in his couch and he pulls the coffee 
he pulls the, the, the mug up to his face and then he removes the breather out of the side and says, I never, never remember to take this thing off. And he sets it down on the table and says, you know, while you're out there, there's a few things that you should know before you leave Starfleet Intelligence, especially since you're going to be jumping around the galaxy in the aftermath of a great war. And he sips it. I imagine there are a few things. What could I possibly have to know before going on an exploration vessel? He sets it down and says, <coughs> Edzri, there's a chance because of your exploits during the Dominion War that you might be approached for recruitment. And it's time I talk to you about an organization called Section 31. <laughs> I thought that was to scare recruits to intelligence. I'll start with the Federation Charter and we'll go from there. The two of you leaned close and over the course of the next hour, retold you about the shadowy organization that exists outside of what the Federation knows as operations. They have access and they have the resources and they do things that is outside of what the Federation would consider moral, ethical, you name it. Section 31 operatives believe to their core that they are doing what is necessary so that captains like you can go on being shining examples of Paragon and Virtue. And they will continue to sweep up and clean up all the sewage of the galaxy so that the Federation can be the happy thing that's meant to be. But it requires monsters to lurk in the dark so that Romulans don't get away and Klingons don't get away with their bullshit and the Obsidian Order doesn't get away with its bullshit. Everyone can rest easy because 31 is in the shadows, knifing everybody. When you, when you see him cover that badge back up and he withdraws it, it all starts clicking into place for you, Sul. Wolf 359 being led out of the Daystrom Institute. The obsessive work on these Borg, studying the nanotech. Of course 31 came and recruited him. He's perfect. You see recognition in the Orion's eyes as they look up at you. So, I will happily follow your lead for this, Captain. Uh, but I am going to need access to whatever data and whatever information you've pulled over how to reprogram Borg nanites. I will happily share some of that with your crew, of course, but after this, you never speak of what happened down here or myself again. Keep it quiet. Captain. Of course, Doctor. And with that, you are in command. That's a perfect button to call our break, because it's 8 o'clock. <laughs> hi, hi, Tal! Hi, hi, hi everybody! Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm I excited! I you! <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's so exciting to have you back. Oh, it's been so long. It's been so long. It was Calypso <laughs> 6 the last time we were able to throw dice together. Man. I think it was uh, the Christmas special, wasn't it? Cri yeah, Christmas. Oh, it was the Christmas Doctor special. Doctor That's Doctor right. Doctor. Oh, God. The you Christmas. caught me up a day. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, uh, yeah. four times. 
Yeah. <laughs> First table we've been at together. Yeah, yeah. It's a pleasure. Yeah. It's a pleasure to, to be at a table with you. This exactly. Is there uh, we go. Before we go on break, uh, I did tell our mods that we were having a guest tonight. And on behalf of the mods, I've been asked to tell you that the Wednesdaisy sends you all of their love. Oh. Hi. Um, miss, miss you all. Every time I play with you with Star Trek Talison, I get to wear a shiny dress. Like <laughs> Honestly, to be fair, most times right, we're in a yeah. room together, you're wearing a shiny dress. That's it's true. Kind of That's a, true. Yeah, kind of your signature move. <laughs> Blinding the opposition. We're going to take a 10-minute break. We'll be back in 10 minutes. Don't go anywhere, folks. We got a Federation embassy to break into. We'll see you in just a minute. So excited. Welcome back, everybody, to Clear Skies. We're back from our break. Uh, we are joined, of course, for those of you who don't know, this is... I'm sorry, I forgot. Uh, uh, listen, Jaffe, I think is your name. That uh, first part was exactly how I was referred to anytime we had a substitute teacher. And uh, you're an, uh, that's how it's pronounced. So Yeah. I just remembered your name when I first met you as Tal Lies Sin. It's fair. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I remember to spell it every single time. You got the word lies and sin in there in the same thing. That's auspicious. You can't spell can talisman with without days. sin. He, he is an immortal. We'll just accept it. <sighs> well, we've covered a fair pandemic. number of lies. <laughs> that just leads us to sin, mm. shall we? So we can jump back into tonight's game uh, where we last left off. A big secret had been revealed as we found out who it was that they were dealing with. The rest of the crew is still a little bit uncomfortable having basically been unmasked, not just unmasked, but thoroughly unmasked, having your personnel files. I mean, look, Kat, your fucking grades from the finals are on that goddamn file. Like, <laughs> She's seriously considering, like, how do we do this? And then also erase those files. Like, there, yeah. there's plotting happening. Um, yeah. But so Prawls is the only one that didn't show up. Prawl, Prawl, and of course, Slabaz have not shown up on that. And of course, Sorex has not popped up on that. Sorex only in theory popped up. There, there was no name. There was no information. Just that Sorex. Yeah, just that, that he was kind of unidentified. Like, um, and, and of course, they Prawl hasn't said much. And he's completely masked. The only thing that indicates, he, it's, a, it's a pretty much a guarantee that he's Federation, especially because he's the one that's carrying Federation equipment, along with the Federation emergency signal, if necessary. This group, yeah. But and and and, and Keel, it's there's it's not a leap of logic to say okay that's probably the actual bodyguard here that's probably the security officer the one that's not saying anything and then the one that's got the big weapon on his back and so on and so forth yeah it's the drink um, of water yeah you do your your scans did detect that he was a joined trill though you do see that he is a host so that he he is he is joined um, but aside from that uh, oh and you also detect your medical your medical scan would tell you pigmentation he is uh albino so he does have all the coverings on him to protect him from the outside and everything else mm -hmm. so you're getting a sense that one of the reasons why he's masked up like this is for protection and not necessarily to try to intimidate people gotcha um yeah uh and so we come back with everybody here in the medical facility diane is processing the scans that you have asked them to process they are actively scanning all of the Borg nanites. What you're seeing already come back on the scans, Dr. Keel, is that these look these nanites look like 
they are uh, the communications that they may have with the collective is an, is inert or it's not it's not active. Um, it doesn't look like it doesn't look like that they are capable of actually contacting the collective. We would, it would already be far too late if that were true, anyway. So. Probably yes. They probably it would probably have already happened by now. These will be very, very helpful, very helpful. Huh. And it doesn't look like these are going to interfere with surgery as it goes. They're well, we'll see, but but tough call at this point. Yeah, hard to t- hard to say, really. Um, but what you're detecting is is that these nanites apparently hold the regenerative qualities that most nanites have. Nanites do impose a rapid healing when they are subject to a certain energy like process, usually in a regeneration alcove nanites help repair biological wounds a lot faster than normal. Um, it, you're not sure necessarily if this is going to, if this would interfere with surgery because it looks like these nanites through the rather impressive workings of McCrell, it seems like these nanites are actually designed specifically to repair the brain. And it doesn't seem like they would respond to say like white blood cells might respond if they detected a disease. Gotcha. All right. That's good. Yeah. (sighs) All right. Let's, uh, let's get the device and get to, uh, the embassy. Why don't we? Or at least I'm ready to go. So. We have everything we need and probably better to keep this among ourselves and not to get Akiva's crew, Akiva, excuse me, involved. Akiva will say we need to know about this facility? Well, I've kind of kept my distance for reasons. Uh, Can't be a... Feely would have raised suspicions. I don't want to poke around in anything that might try and keep kind of on the straight and narrow out here. Only, only really pull attention when I have to. And being a little afraid of a reasonable Federation building seems to be a good way to do that. But I have you now, so that helps quite a bit. There's a lot. I if. All you needed was them. You hear Sorex kind of weakly say, as he's being ministered to by McCrell. He just says, I'm happy remaining here under the watch of your Diane while I recover and communicate directly with Ativa to arrange the delivery of the body. Uh, can I do a medical roll to see what's wrong with Sorex? Is it... You wouldn't have to roll. I'll g- uh, go ahead and make a roll, but I would say difficulty zero, so you guys can build some momentum. Okay. Because you I'm- have made it to the break with no momentum. Exactly. <laughs> so it's one of the reasons why I want <laughs> Let's definitely fix that. Okay. Obviously, uh, three successes. <laughs> okay, so gain three momentum. Um, it, it looks like it's a standard issue. The... the Travel, the heat, the fact that he hasn't had water recently, and the stress, and then he had four vials of blood drawn right, right, just then and there. He's kind of in that sort of fugue state where, after having blood drawn rather rapidly, he needs to sit down and rest. Okay. 
I was just it's making sure. I was, yeah. I was making sure I wasn't missing anything. You know, like that's legit. Yeah, no, it's nothing serious apparently. Uh, so it's all right if he it's all right if he stays behind. We'll be able to. I should I could I even is there a possibility I could perform uh, remote surgery if, if if with with the equipment or would I have to come back to. to... Remote surgery. You'd have to come. He would. You would have to enact the. Um, if you were to perform surgery, you would definitely need to do it on the bed here in your lab. Okay. Yeah. So, and if you want, we can we can leave them here. If, you, if that if that works for you, I have no problem. They'll be safe. It'll raise a little less attention. I know we're already bringing enough with us. Romulan will. Or who who is there exactly? Is there still a Federation presence on Nimbus no, Three? No, I don't think so. No, probably not. I'm not sure. Maybe, probably not. All right. I haven't ever actually been there. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, Diane. Yes, Doctor. Um, initiate uh, aftercare protocol. Uh, 12 for our Romulan friend here. Hydration. Uh, I think we have a cookie somewhere in the back. Have them sit down and prep for surgery. Initiating. It sounds so unfriendly to you, McCrell. This Borg AI just seems to have this ambience of menace, even though it seems to be performing exactly this compassionate order that's been given. Uh, you do see that in the back room, along with some a stash of supplies, you can hear the telltale signs of what you would suspect a, a not top of the line replicator activating and the whirring uh, sound of water being formed. Just... As I hear that, I'm going to yell the back. He likes snickerdoodles. Make sure it's the right kind of cookie if you're gonna. Diane, As a doctor, I would know this. Diane, you heard the cat. <gasps> <laughs> Honestly, the cat, like, that's what the cat needed. I would like to learn a value. Just kidding. <laughs> Do I notice that you're that you're upset? Did you actually make a face? Yeah. I probably oh. hissed at you, actually. Dr. Cat. Pet. Mm. I mom armed the lieutenant. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I'm just going to turn to the captain. It's like, Captain, are you sure that we can trust this doctor? I'm sure that we can work with him. <sighs> then on your bar, Captain. What was that? What was that, Raveny? That's a very low bar, Captain. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's the bar that we need today. Um, wonderful. Uh, probably we should probably scout out to see if there's any uh, presence of the Federation within this embassy, or any, or anyone. See, see what uh, who we're exactly dealing with, since our doctor has been in no way helpful in that capacity. In all honesty, it's not the Federation that we should be worrying about to see no. in there. That. All right. Move on up. We'll 
stay a little farther back as you scout, but we'll move together. I don't want to split us too much. Prawl at this point steps forward, moves over to you, Azri, and just says, you know, now that the cover is blown, Captain, I don't feel safe leaving the Romulan here with him. I don't know who this guy is. If he's former Federation, then to me, that's even less of a reason to trust him. Today is not about trust. Today is about people we are working with. And I assure you, his credentials are adequate. Paul, even though he is fully masked. You've looked into those pink eyes before, those pale eyes enough to you can picture that look that he's probably giving you on the other side where he is frustrated and as he's in agreement with you. And just as a mannerism that you have become accustomed to, after that beat of quiet, he gives a nod and takes a step back. I imagine over his shoulder, I catch Keel's eye. <laughs> Keel's eyes are going everywhere. <laughs> he looks like he's constantly scanning the room. He's looking at everybody's body movements. He looks like he's absorbing information every time he glances in a direction. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. Yes, Captain. I'm going to come with you. I'm sorry, did when um, our lizard god said that he wanted to come with us, was he indicating towards the captain or was he indicating towards Prawl and I? He's kind of saying it around uh, to the lot of you, but he's indicating towards the captain. Copy. Assuming our host is amenable, I'd rather you stay with Mr. Sorex, just in case someone decides to be disruptive in our doctor's absence. 13 phasers. 13 phasers. Oh, Only 11. No. That, that, I was, I was lying. They're not there. Damn it. You'll have plenty of time to look and be sure. <sighs> uh, Diane, keep our guests, uh, Happy, uh, feel free to use basic, basic protocols and uh, alert them if anybody's coming towards the building. And if they uh, run into any problems, open up the first two sub-basements for them. Thank you. You see, Sabaz, you heard this, first of all, you hear the dark, like, um, there's a flickering of the power in the building as the orders are being received and implemented. And you hear this chirping of acknowledgement coming from the AI. Slabaz looms over you. Azarine says, Don't like sitting around doing nothing. You want me to, you want me to guard a brain damaged Romulan? You see the eyes narrow as he glances in Sorex's direction. That seems a disrespectful way to address him. His name is Clarence. 
Um, <sighs> if, you, if you need things to do, the kitchen needs cleaning. Uh, <laughs> it'll take your mind off of anything. It would make me happy. Can I go back to the ship? My job is to make sure baby gets back in one piece. Not a babysitter. Where is the ship vis-a-vis uh, -vis Ativa and Embassy? I'm trying to figure out if I can post him at a point where I could deploy him in various directions as needed. Um, like basically make him our rapid response. It's kind of in a triangle formation. So there is uh the, the ship itself is located just outside the city but it's in kind of like equidistance from uh do you know what i mean like y'all are in kind of a triangle formation no this is perfect uh yes go back to terraza's baby worst case we can call you in for air support okay thank you hmm as Slabaz moves out the door, Prawl waits for him to be gone, and he says, don't get me wrong, I don't have a problem with the Gorn, but we can't forget, he's not necessarily our friend. And he's not coming with us on this very delicate mission, is he? No, sir, he is not. We have a small group, we can keep this quiet, we can keep this efficient. Let's be about it. Right. All right, Captain. Um, as we leave, I'm just going to look up and go, Diane. Yes, Doctor. I appreciate your care, but if any harm comes to my patient, I will rip off your proteins beyond nanite repair. And then I'm just going to smile really big at Dr. Keel. She doesn't big respond two. well to well to threats. I mean, really, I've been working on it. I've been trying to make it so that it's part of her AI function. I've been having a real time with it. Uh, it's it was not a threat. Just it was a, a it was a promise. Hmm. That would be hard to rebuild. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hmm. Mm. Okay, so the lot of y'all, um, you get a nod from Sorex, who's leaning up. <laughs> Sorex, as you're leaving, the last thing you see, Azri, as you glance back, is Sorex is just sitting there in the chair, like half shrouded in the dark of the facility and half cast in the bright green ambient glow of the Borg AI that's connected to the wall unit. And he's biting into a snickerdoodle <laughs> and just looking at you. As long as he got that like, cookie. This, this expression on his face of like, how the hell did we get here? As he just takes a bite, you just see the incredulous look. I mean, as a Romulan with those eyebrows and that forehead, he has a very expressive demeanor. And he doesn't hide like, I'm in your hands. He just kind of just takes the bite out of the cookie and looks at you and shakes his head. I shrug with the, you and I both know this isn't even in the top 10 silliest things that we as intelligence officers have had to do. Yeah. And then I trounce out in my leather harness and uh, my high boots. Out Meanwhile, do, back uh, in the USS meeting. Watson phaser control, during a critical <laughs> moment, a holographic goose runs across the hallway. <laughs> and then we cut back to what's happening on Nimbus 3. <laughs> All right. 
Um, the Federation Embassy, it's a good thing you know that that's what this is supposed to be, because if you were wandering through the streets of Paradise, you would never know that you were passing by a building that was once uh, a focal point for Federation diplomacy. In fact, what you see is that this embassy looks like it was a building that was meant to house all three government officials. The last time you ever read about the about Nimbus 3, Azri, indeed all of you who've been in Starfleet, um, because as as you're becoming officers, some of the uh, great uh, events, the the events of the past 200 years, are made to study in like hostage negotiations and those kinds of things. An event took place here a little about over 100 years ago on Nimbus 3. The last time this place ever even made mention, uh, involving one James T. Kirk and USS Enterprise when the embassy staff was taken hostage by a rogue Vulcan, apparently. You see the very building that that took place in as you're moving past it. Uh, it looks like it's some kind of bar and it looks run down, like the, the ceiling's probably falling in. But not too far from behind it, you can see the multi-leveled building that once served as an embassy. Now, just from glancing at it, the four of you can tell that this building has been co-opted into what looks like some kind of housing unit, which isn't surprising, especially considering, again, the poverty of this place. There's a lot of people that are crowding into here, probably sleeping in the hallways as much as those who are lucky to actually have had found quarters. But that's not what grabs your attention. What grabs your attention is there looks like there is a lower level, like outside, that descends on a ramp into the dirt to what would, for us in the modern age, we would probably identify like, oh, a parking garage. But instead, looks like it actually descends down into um, a secured looking double door that looks like it's just metal fatigue and rust has covered most of it. You can clearly make out a Federation symbol on the metal door itself. It's out in the open and not being hidden. Azri, your guess is, is that at one point, this whole place is fenced off and that this ramp going down to these double doors was probably once a secure location, but now is probably just relying upon its encoding and the fatigue to the doors to keep closed. Uh, do I see good cover to send Prawl and Lacat on a scout? Uh, let's make a roll. Let's make a roll. Uh, that's a good question. I think that's going to be a roll. Let's find out. Also, does this count as a new scene? Do we lose a momentum? Uh, yes, thank you for reminding me. This is definitely a new scene. Man, um, shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> yeah, that's what you get. Uh, I'm going to say roll a insight security check. Sure. Uh, can I assist on this one? Actually, if you want, you can order Prawl to, to do it, and then, and then uh, she can assist on it. Yeah. All right. Let me roll for Prawl, then. So that's just a quick eye cut to crawl yeah. like your, your thing. What do you see? I'm, I'm setting the difficulty at two. Go ahead and make your, so for LeCat, you're gonna roll insights and command. The difficulty is two. Command? For, okay. yes, for, right. for LeCat, yes. One success? 
No, I got her. I rolled a one. Oh, critical success. Yeah. Okay. So you got two successes. Prawl got two successes. So gain Thank two you. momentum to your pool. Um, immediately, you uh, what you notice is when you glance over at Prawl Captain, you see that he has already started scoping out the area. And Lacat just instinctively, because this place, the landscape is very similar to what Cardassia Prime looked like after the it, Dominion hammered it. Also, because of the poverty, it's very similar to the city of Lacat. Right. So yeah. that's what she's thinking of right now. And so um, I would say that this whole, like she's she's paying more attention than she usually would in, in that way because she feels like she has a connection to this place already. Okay. Uh, with those successes, glancing around, there are plenty of places around here that could be good for cover and for ambushes, both for and against you guys. This is a crumbling urban setting. And from what you can tell, if you were moving into hostile territory, you'd all be in big trouble right now. But as it stands, no one seems to stop you and you don't get an instinct of any immediate threats. And Prawl looks at you and says, what do you think? Maybe that corner over there? Yeah, I was... Well, I was looking at that overhang over there and it seems that either someone could be hiding behind it or it could be a good place for us why don't i take the overhang copy you're, you're, taller. Pretty, you're really good at sneaking up at people and stunning a mass of them at one shot anyway right i'm glad someone understands my genius on this team and i got to see it firsthand <laughs> you just <laughs> bumped him a little bit um and we we still do have comms on each we still mm -hmm. keep connecting each other great, even if it's not necessarily our Federation. Okay. And yep. so the cat is going to go ahead and uh, circle around. She'd like to do it without seeming too suspicious. Um, but remember when we um, basically arced around and created that ambush on yeah. um, that planet for... God, I'm blanking on the name right now. But basically, Prawl and I yeah. before. And In the I quarantine zone, yeah. God, when we made a game about the quarantine zone, we had no idea. No idea. Uh, so, so we circle around. All our fault. Circle around. Um, but I think that like LeCat would also like to keep an eye out for like any particular threats. Like she's not she she wants to see who's really going in and out of this place if it really is just people using this as a housing unit or if the housing unit is a cover for something else. Um, okay. Okay. Um yeah. So Prawl nods to you, nods to you, Captain. And when Prawl moves away, you can tell he's in his element. You know that this is a veteran of the Dominion War. You know he was a sharpshooter in the Dominion War. He's currently decked out. He's probably served on a world like this, but just like Lacat, he knows the terrain and he moves. And you see him move. You can see the slight bulge of that phaser rifle on underneath the, the shoulder cloth that's like kind of wrapped around him, almost like a cape behind him, covering his back as he's moving off <laughs> like a Star Trek version of Batman, just kind of ascends into what looks like a rock face, uh, a crumbling building, and vanishes. Lacat, to her own credit, kind of does the hands in pockets whistling thing, except for not obvious, obvious, you know, and begins to just blend in rather skillfully, walking into the crowd and just keeping an eye out. There are people moving to the streets. Lacat, everything you see from these people 
they look tired, hungry, and they look like they're desperate to hide from the elements. You do occasionally see some shady characters that look like they might prey upon the weak. You've spotted their like many a time, Cardassian. One of the rough things about Cardassian Prime was in the aftermath of it, before the Federation and everybody brought in relief supplies, people started falling upon each other. Families started attacking families for resources. There were some dark days in the in the aftermath of the, the nuclear holocaust, as it were, that was unleashed upon Cardassia Prime. And as you're moving around, you can see those same predatorial eyes glancing at some of the members of the crowd as you're moving around. So she definitely wants to keep uh, a tab on those people, but how difficult does actual access to this building look? It's hard to say, but if, if you had to guess, walking right up to the door and trying to access it is not going to be a problem. Okay. It looks, if, if no one has been able to get inside, <laughs> possible. If no one's been able to get inside, it's because either no one's been able to crack the code or no one has equipment to, to wedge the doors. Got it's it. hard to say. So no one's actually going in and out of the building? Is no. Saying. Well, the embassy, yes, but the area that you guys are trying to get into, which is like mm -hmm. the bunker area, yeah. again, this was originally supposed to be a secured area mm -hmm. and is probably designed to protect the ambassadors in the case of emergency. Mm -hmm. It does have an access port outside, which is what you guys are looking at. It's no longer, there's no longer a, a wall or a fence around this place. This building is over 100 years old. Copy. Um, so Jane would like to definitely relay all that information to her camp, uh, to, to her captain as well as the rest of the team. And okay. I think that she she's going to try her best to wander closer to see if she can get a look at the actual security system of this thing. Okay. Yeah. All right. So as a lot of you um, are moving closer, to get, like if there's any way she can like accidentally drop something and have it roll closer to the door so that she can has an excuse to walk on over, she would Whoops. love to do that. In truth, because it is at the bottom of the ramp, it's not difficult to drop something and then right. have to walk all the way down to try to activate. Um, she yeah, she's she's what, what does Jane even have on her? She's wearing pretty Spartan clothing. She's not like she's gonna drop her phaser and let it roll down the hill. Um, yeah. Or her phaser. Or her phaser. Yeah. Or her phaser. Yeah. Or her phaser. Maybe she's gotta drop her. You know what? She drops her phaser. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, well, I, I would never do that. I would, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's, let's, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Probably she's gonna lose it too. Apparently, Jane's making bad choices. She rolled a 20. That 20 is still affecting the rest of this game. Can't make an omelet. Okay. So, oh, no. Her phaser rolls away from her. Oh, no. no. Okay, Rave, if you want to make this yeah. appear like it was an accident, this yeah. is not going to be easy. Okay, great. Um, so, I'm going to have you roll for it. Please. <laughs> um... Okay, so what am I going to have you roll for this? I'll have you roll, you know, I'll have you roll. I'm going to have you roll control plus command. And if you have any like deception or focuses that. Take a momentum. You can use uh, mine if you want. No, okay, I got three successes. I got a one and I got a two. <laughs> I was about to say, do you have a focus in clumsy? <laughs> I'm survival. Just so, so happens with Kat has- I have the collaboration talent and you'll use my deception focus so that that will also be a crit. Perfect. Okay, so four successes. What was what was the difficulty? Oh, well, the difficulty was two. So I guess it's two successes. Great. 
Oh no, I'm sorry. This is a difficult momentum. Goal. This would have been a challenge rating three. Yeah. All right, then we'll get one momentum back. You'll get one momentum. This is going to be a difficult roll. So challenge rating three on that. And um, it's, it's <laughs> Dr. Keel, you see it at the same time that Captain Sull sees it. And you're, you're not 100% sure if the Cardassian meant to do that. But you watch the Cardassian look like she notices something. She pulls her phaser and it just goes cartwheeling <laughs> through the air. <laughs> like somebody, like one of those comic uh, old westerns where the joke is, is the cowboy pulls the gun too fast and it just flies straight up. Like you watch her just like flip this thing and it goes hurtling down this ramp and disappearing, basically landing, clattering in front of the door that you guys are eventually meant to go to. And you see her look around like, oh, immediately disappear down the ramp as she charges down there. Um, and she charges down. So as she is gathering her phaser, as she is checking it, um, what kind of security protocols are we seeing on this door? Is it just a basic data pad? And if so, does that data pad even look active? Actually, you know what I'm gonna do? Yeah. Because here's the thing, I've run into a narrative inconsistency. Okay. When the scans were taking place, it was indicated that nobody but Prawl had a phaser on them. Oh shit, you're so right. So However, right. but she had a gun or she had That's right. However, there was a disruptor. So let's just let's just change the the nomenclature there. So it's not it's not a phaser. So I found a phaser. deadlier weapon is what you're saying. You have you right. have a deadlier a weapon threat, essentially. Because a there's an escalation weapon that does not, cost with that. It, it does not have the safety protocols that a phaser does. Okay, so, great. So, so as you flip the disruptor, it clatters at the ground down there. Um <laughs> Good thing you didn't roll any complications. You Great. run up to it. Uh, what are you going to do, LaCat? You're now at the door. You do see what looks like a panel that has been attempted to be accessed quite a bit, but mm -hmm. to no effect. It looks like people have tried to wedge their way into the security panel. It looks like people have scratched at it. It's in poor shape. But it looks uh, like just basic data pad. Um, you know what? She'd like to kind of like stand next to it, examine her phaser, and then maybe like bump an elbow in order to activate the touchpad. Basically, she like surreptitiously try and see like what she's dealing with here. So you move over and if, you know, there's one thing you can say is that Federation engineering is built to last. As you touch this pad, it immediately goes and you see Elkar system light up on it, which is a system that is somewhat modern. Yeah. Um, Not consistent with the age of the building. Right. Um, she's going to go ahead and let um, her her captain know that it's an Alcar system. Uh, seems like we might be able to get in if we try hard enough. But there's definitely something uh, protecting this. And uh, I Look dropped... I'm going to need you to make... Captain. I'm going to need you to make another roll here. Right, please do. <clears throat> All right. The Elkar system. Something with that. I'm going to need you to make a reason engineering check. Oh, boy. I'm so <laughs> bad at engineering. This is not the best thing. She's okay. like, maybe I sent someone else over. Um, Difficulty is two. Oh, sweet Jesus. Um, she... Can she use sensors? 
No. No. Okay, then you she gets one. Want to value this game yet? You want to throw down a value? Um. Uh, can I use my captain's uh, the fact that the captain ordered me to do this? Did the captain order you to do this? No, no the captain ordered me to do this. Ordered me to scout. So I'm trying to I'm trying to do my best to scout. That's the best. Ordered me to do this. No, I got one success. She got some. She gets one success. So with one success, you're not able to understand why, but it strikes you as that's not right. This shouldn't be L cars. L cars mm-hmm. didn't exist when this building was built, and the systems that were installed in this building were not using L cars when it was created. This building's over a hundred years old. L cars is started coming about around thirty plus years ago. So that's basically, the- Captain. It seems that someone was here before us. So there's that. Um, And I think that, man. Okay, so Dr. Keel, any chance you have any capabilities hacking this, Captain? They might be our best opportunity to get through this. This is not really considering my, my skill set, considering McCrell's skill set, considering and all. Okay. And all honesty, I think our captain may have the best skill set. Oh, for a captain! Shit, that's right. You have a really high engineering. Sorry, captain. What was that? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Nothing, captain. And she's gonna go off comms. <laughs> On the I comms, think, um, you suddenly hear the voice of Yeri Prawl say, "Team, could we stop?" Calling as a result, Captain, while we're in the city, please. <laughs> Can we stop using that name over comms? Thank you. Let's move up. Join the lieutenant. Okay. You all begin to move up. At this point, as you approach the door, you're starting to see what LaCat is saying. Um, <laughs> you have been at this door numerous times, Dr. Keel. You've never actually seen that that entry pad light up. That's weird. Hmm. Any idea why there would be L cars on this door? Um. Uh. Is Prawl hanging back? Yeah, he's eyes in the sky in a sniper. You're not sure where he is, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so he's watch, keeping an eye on our back. Perfect. He's our angel. But no, I'm watching Keel's reaction. This is new to me. I've never even seen this thing turn on before. This is, uh, that's weird. It's weird. Insight check. Okay. <laughs> uh, are you insight checking? You're insight checking Dr. Keel? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I professional yeah. currency. You <laughs> I don't know if this is the thing I can assist you on, but I'm guessing you're not actively resisting this. Would you say that's accurate? Okay. So in that case, to, to actively yeah. shit. In, in that After case, all, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna say this is a difficulty one check. Okay, perfect. Yep. Um, I'll take a momentum for cautious. We're down to three. I have uh, my focus, and that's let's see, three successes. It looks like so that three successes. Back up to five momentum now. Okay, um, you glance over at uh, at, at Doctor Keel. Doctor Keel looks both fascinated and genuinely confused. 
I'm trying to this see if was there's definitely, been any. Yeah. Yeah, if okay, anyone's so like, like if anything's been pried loose or if anybody's been, if this has been upgraded by somebody who isn't like what, what is going on. Uh, if you want to make a, I would say make a reason engineering check. Oh, but hold on. You get an auto success for this because yeah. we're using reason. So the difficulty on this is three. So you get an auto success. You need two successes. So roll uh, reason security. Uh, reason security uh, and okay, so that's uh, and two d twenty. Uh huh. That's a fourteen, and I rolled a three and a thirteen. Okay, so three successes. Uh, you look at this, glance it over. That brilliant, keen mind of yours, it picks up things that other people would miss, the subtle details, things that are seen in the dust, things that are seen on the side of the panel. Someone has definitely been here recently. And that elk cars was probably installed so that it could be used to access the inside of this facility. This is new. This is very new. Someone's been in here recently. This is... Someone's doing something in here. Uh, wonder who's been on the planet. I'll see if maybe I can pull anything from the firmware in this. There might be a signature from it. Tell us a little more about whether this was authorized or whether this was a third party. That's what I was going to say. We need to know if Federation installed this or if someone installed it to make it look like Federation installed it. I would like to do a hack now. I know okay. it's well, uh, we finally get this at my theme. table and I'm doing hacks. Okay, cool. This is my fault. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so what what sets we have you roll for that? Uh, believe... You had Rue roll control security back in that, the day. That would make sense. Yes. Control uh, security. Okay. Uh, yep. Do we want to uh, put my. I will accept engineering. Um, they're both the same for me. Okay, great. Uh, they both, you know. Um, will will my little uh, will my clandestine fit into this? Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yep. Um, let's see. I'll. It's uh, What's the difficulty? Uh, okay. Remind me exactly what you're trying to achieve. You're trying to find out who's done this or what what the information. Uh, I'm gaining entry. Uh-huh. If I succeed on that, because that is necessarily a software override, I'm foreseeing some obtained information in my future. Okay. So uh, focus yes. is on uh, hacking the software. Okay, so the difficulty to get inside mm-hmm. is one. All right. Cool. That's way too suspicious. I don't like that at all. No. But take a, take a momentum, Captain, please. <laughs> I, I absolutely will. And as I said, Obtained information is in our future. Oh, okay. Uh, that's uh, two, uh, four successes. So that'll okay. be three, which will get Bank that momentum. Uh, to two and one overflow, which will be perfect for the obtained information. You tap the console, and as you're looking for the root code, So what you begin to spot is that this computer is archaic. It was created during a time where Constitution-class starships were still flying in the stars. Where Warp 7 was considered 
one of the fastest speeds starships could travel. And only the most advanced starships... This is before the warp speed scale had to be revised for modern engines. The Elkars on here have been installed for accessibility. Somebody very recently was able to somehow successfully overlap the old operating system for security in order to gain a conversational access with the main computer that should be powered down. There's also something unique about the L cars. It looks slightly modified and different. You're not entirely sure what it is. But as you're glancing over it, something about the intuitive way in which the access junction points across the, the, the pad itself, they're not placed necessarily quite the way they normally would. And there's also the fact that even though this pad is ancient, the way the L cars responds to your touch almost seems a little more intuitive than your standard L cars. It's unusual, to say the least. All right, so with my obtained information, uh, bonus momentum, this was built and then installed. Uh, with whose kind of operating system was it originally intended to interface when it was programmed? Like Federation. All right, and uh, because I'm studious, I'll get an additional question from that. Yep. Uh, hello, new talent. Uh, what might I find out about that Federation code? Uh, about a ship or, or mission signature, a name on it? You would, first of all, I'll give you this. The, the fact that it exists on this operating system is like somebody came along and installed a Corvette engine in a rusted Volkswagen that didn't work anymore. And to integrate that kind of technology in order to gain access to the inside of the doors is both a little out of... It, it, it's both a little bizarre, but it's also, to your mind, your abilities, your knowledge of what it would take to hack a system, the feat that that would require is extraordinary. You've never heard of anybody coming along and installing, upgrading a system entirely based off the root code of an original Federation operating system, overlapping an ancient Federation operating system, and using that to suddenly become compatible with a 100-plus-year-old system to gain access to said system. That should technically not be possible or would require a team of software engineers. This is quite a job. It would require an extraordinary mind to create this kind of interface. Getting in was surprisingly easy, but putting it together must have been very impressive. Hmm. Why? 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 Good question. Hmm. 
anyway, we're in. Boop, boop, boop. Ooh. You open it up. Yeah. The doors just swing open suddenly. Just they slide open right in front of you. It happens in a blink. All of you see it. It lasts for maybe a, all of two seconds. The light cascading into the doorway gives way to the fact that this place has power. You see a large room filled with crates, probably exactly what Dr. Keel is looking for. It looks like an emergency bunker of some kind with multiple doors that come swinging open to you. And as you glance inside and you see this big storage facility, this underground place that supposedly should not have been accessed, you catch the glimpse for a brief second of a Vulcan woman standing a little over five, maybe five, six or so, dark hair, in unusual clothes that look like banded, it looks like a black full banded bodysuit from the neck all the way down, no insignia, completely covered in head to toe. And if you didn't know any better, you would say this Vulcan looked rather surprised to see you suddenly opening the door. And in the blink of an eye, upon spotting her, you see the arc of the eyebrow and a sudden flash as a portal goes and she's gone. Well, I was not expecting that. I'm not sure what I was expecting, but I was not expecting that. There's a popping sound that causes a jump behind you as the computer console pops and sparks and lights in the facility flicker and go Um, let's move in quickly. Yeah, let's move in. Uh, pick up the supplies that you need, doctors. Lacat, on me. We're going to see if we can pull anything from this system's hard drive. It had power up until a couple moments ago, which means that it has logs and internal sensors that might be able to tell us a little more about who in the star's name that was and that wasn't exactly was where they went. I didn't. I didn't recognize that person at all, right? No, you've never seen that person before either. And the uniform for a split second, your mind yeah. went to Section Thirty One, but that didn't look like a Thirty One uniform. All right. It looked way different, but it was the first instinct to kind of jump to your mind. Yeah. Uh. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Now you first. I was saying, as a Cation, I have a very good eyesight in the dark. Is there anything I can determine before we yeah, get I mean, the power back on? Or? Enough of the sun's light is cascading oh, okay. in here that you can actually see everything perfectly. While yeah, everybody right. else is probably activating a light um, and moving in. Glancing around, this place looks like it's been untouched. You see the supplies are still here. You can see the Federation marker, the medical supplies. Now, Dr. Keel, you know that a lot of these medical supplies are old, but medicine, even though that it's advanced as far as it has in the past hundred years, some of this stuff is just priceless. There's still dermal regenerators here that are worth having, even if they're far out of date. This is medical supplies the Federation is not gonna miss that's gonna do a lot of good in this place. Well, we're going to have to load up as much of this as we can. Uh, 
doctor if you'll just help me figure out what's useful. And then here's the specific stuff I need for your friend. Uh, Getting the list? Yeah. Okay. While you guys are doing that, Sol and Lacat, you guys are investigating? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So tell me specifically what y'all are doing. Yeah. Uh, so this is a Federation facility. It seems to be fairly high level. And there's not an, there may or may not be enough power that we can interface with the computers directly right now. We may need to but I want to see if we can interface with the hard drives, see what we can pull from internal sensor logs to tell us specifically more about this person, what the sensors think just happened. I have mm-hmm. suspicion, but like... Okay, you move over. I the hate place, those particular suspicions. The power in this place is flickering that does have internal sensors but when you move over to the computer console you're back to using old school federation computer readouts um you do see the console is kind of flickering with power it does have active sensors it is going to be a tough roll this is going to be a difficulty four roll to use the sensors of this place and i'm going to spin threat to raise the complication range by three so nothing too bad What kind of role do you see this as? Security, engineering, what do you want? Um, I'm, that's a good question, actually, because this could be a number of things. I might actually say this is going to be... Yeah, I think control, I think control engineering works the Please best here. Please take as much I'll momentum take- as you wish. Mm-hmm. I'll take point. I have my MacGyvering focus. Okay. Your MacGyvering um, focus. Yeah, can I use my sensors focus on this one? Mm. Uh, yes. Absolutely. Trying to use internal sensors? Yeah. All right. Test your might. I'll take a momentum, so we're at five. Okay. Control engineering, I roll a 16 or below. I'm rolling with focus. Uh, mm. Oh, that's so tasty. Uh, and I don't have cautious engineering, so it's perfect. Uh, that'll be... Uh, two successes from me, one from, uh, one from Lacat. You said it was four? Difficulty is four. Oh, dang. Then I do need to use my determination for a reroll to succeed, yeah. and I don't get to keep this lovely complication. <laughs> this is what you, you did this or, to yourself. And can I use a talent here? Can I use my suspicious by nature because I'm looking for, tra- does this count as looking for traps? No, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't come into play yeah. here. Okay. Sensors would. Your sensors focus comes into play okay. here. Yeah. Right, but I'm using uh, my the discipline I'm using is my oh, engineer. Oh, 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 yeah. My lowest discipline. Yeah. No, it wouldn't come into play here. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Get? So I'd like to use. Uh, there's always something beneath the surface, and I'm going to reroll this die. Okay. Make your roll. Yeah, and now it is a success. So we're at four, and no complications anymore. Okay. You managed to get a little bit of those internal sensors going. Uh, the sensors here have been fluctuating for ages now. And it looks like it's like passive internal security systems that have just never shut down because the power source is good for another 200 years. As you're looking through the internal sensors, you're not detecting anything. You do not detect the presence of anybody else in the facility. And you don't, you, curiously enough, you do not detect that anyone was in this facility. You do, however, detect 
a massive influx of chronoton particles that are currently dispersing throughout the area. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I'll be right back. <laughs> Any reason that temporal agents be interested in your work for any reason? And I just shift the readout to show the chronoton search and give him the context. Pretty much right where that young Vulcan woman was standing, you mm-hmm. see what is now dissipating a pocket of chronoton particles, like a time shift just happened. I mean, yeah. Why? Uh, anything in particular? I mean, I'm working on a lot of things. Anything that works out is, by its very nature, ex- extremely valuable. Um, but they haven't knocked on your door until now. Not that I know. I mean... I mean, to be fair, they are. I mean, chronoton particles, would I even know if they knocked on my door? I might not know. I mean, who would? She wasn't that good at hiding herself. So purely from tradecraft, you might have spotted someone suspicious. Could be. Anything you remember? Again, it's a chronoton, so it's entirely possible that we'll forget it ever happened after a little while. Could have happened before, we don't even know. So no, I don't remember anything. But that might not be unusual. But yeah. My tech, sure. I make. I'm working on some pretty amazing things. Really? Why else would I be in the middle of nowhere? <laughs> oh. One does ask. Well, it's safe. It's quiet. I don't normally get disturbed. So. Are we allowed to ask questions about you and your work? I. I You're haven't allowed. Really interacted I'm... with. You're allowed to ask uh, whether or not I can answer is a whole nother. Jane clocks that, because what exactly does Captain the Captain mean by are we allowed to ask? <laughs> so now she's staring at the Captain. There's that slow, stewy look of just, <laughs> what is going on over yeah, there? What is happening here? Who exactly is this guy that my Captain is afraid to ask? <laughs> I am Why wouldn't you ask questions, Captain? <laughs> Some types of work require discretion. And since I can no longer, I was politely asked to leave my last lab. I stay out here so that I can work unencumbered. The work is important and must continue. Lacat, Lieutenant? Lieutenant, that's right. But yes, feel free. Ask. If I can tell you, I will. You're already on in my file. I'm almost honored. Do you have contact with the rest of your network? Rarely. Recently? No. Anything that would have sent a flag up this <laughs> this this is this definitely there was a flag possibly several flags but this is a flag 
you here, that's a flag. It's a big Federation flag. I'm big. Are so, you near to something with this, your work? Some oh, kind of... <laughs> near? I've, 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 had success, I've had successes. I'm building dozens of different prototypes. I've had three, three successes so far. Uh, still trying to make everything else work. There's always something in the works. Uh, I've got a lot of things I'm working on. Uh, personal technical uh, technology cloaking, um, some forms of, uh, of uh, scrambling systems, auto shock systems that automatically redial to get through uh, Borg shields, uh, communication scramblers that specifically fry them uh, in the detonation patterns I've got. I'm building a ton. <laughs> Almost makes me wonder if that Vulcan was here to watch you. Uh, I doubt it. I think you just gave us a pretty good laundry list that says otherwise. Didn't. Oh. Didn't uh, rattle me just trying to figure out why they're taking such an interest. It's... And whether or not it was you. Otherwise, I have to conclude it was me, and honestly, we're not working on anything quite as interesting as what it sounds well, like you're doing. I'm interesting enough that no one's really interested in it. I mean, most people even know my work now that it's uh, far off and uh, not really very useful yet. And, uh, these ones you, are on the, the other hand, well, you're the new thing, so I've been here forever. You're recent and active. I would be, uh, well, it might be me. I feel that it would be helpful to you for you to assume that it's you. Because if it's me, then it doesn't matter. But if it's you, it does. I can handle my own. I'm sure you can. Hmm. The whole time McCrell's on the other side of the room, just like with one ear, like perked, just kind of listening into, just like the cat's listening in, but I'm just a little further away going, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh. I've specifically also not mentioned any technology that actually works. <laughs> so Yeah, no, you have been an excellent, like vague bot, <laughs> not actually detailing what it is that's going on. Yeah, my caption clearly knows something that I don't know, and Jane's trying to figure that out because so far she's like, network, who is this network that we're talking about? And uh, that's all she is. She's clinging on to that. But, um, like, curiosity. You're oh, like, when we get back, if I hear, if I, I put the word out, and if there's anything I, that you should know, I will let you know if there's something you should know. If I can. Time's yes, on. I suppose. You have ways of getting in touch, don't you? We're all in this together. I suppose so. Mm. Are we? Hmm? Do you have what you need? I've literally just collected everything. <laughs> McCrell has we... just like a pile. Doctor, do we have everything? Yes. <laughs> <Excellent>. <laughs> Uh, 
As long as there's nothing else that's catching the eye in here. Is there anything that's catching the eye in here? There that's is. It. it looks like it looks like this. This was a, a safety bunker for like ambassadors to retreat to until they were rescued. A, a lot of this place is just completely out of date. Completely. And, our, and our friend didn't didn't leave anything. Right. Exactly where she was, what was there, so we could work her backwards what she might have That would be an obtained information spend. Sure, let's do it. Uh, Based off of your last scan. Yeah, we have some momentum. Um, You, as you're listening to Dr. Keel talk, so you move over to where you saw the young woman, well, Vulcan, so presumably young, standing there uh, before she vanished. I'm kind of just looking at the floor and glancing over. And you see there's one crate in front of you. Has the old Federation medical symbol on it. What's in the box? You move over to it. You slide it around and pop it open. And as you open it up, you see what looks like a year's worth of dermal regenerators and medical supplies. And these are not from a hundred years ago. Are they from now? Yes. Are they from very properly, very exactingly now? These are from now. And it looks like they've been deliberately left here. Judging from the way they are organized and stacked on top of each other, they have been left inside of a box that may have been empty before, but medicine and looks like materials and whatnot have all been stacked inside of this containment unit. Why would she look surprised? That is odd, isn't it? Looks like someone left you a present, Doctor. This <clears throat> great. This wouldn't happen to be conveniently exactly what we needed, would it? Um, conveniently, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, time sorted. Don't it look is. a so. gift tachyon in the mouth. And I'm going to pick it up. <laughs> pick up the container. Oh, we're not supposed to notice Santa if he appears. Mm. Vulcans yeah. have Santa. Uh, anyway. <laughs> the rest of this facility is pretty much abandoned and out of date. Um, there's a couple of old like woolen blankets with the UFP logo on it and most of it has peeled off. You can tell just by the way it's dated, by the way that the ink is printed on the top of this blanket. This is from another era, the way it's kind of degenerated a little bit inside of this facility. For the most part, you just see like artifacts of another time, nothing of particular value, but just kind of fascinating to see it. A lot of the foodstuffs in here are still good. They are still enclosed in what looks like wrapped containers that have the ability to keep food fresh for well over a century. I'm going to take just the one of those. 
okay. as a souvenir for tech because I think he would <laughs> oh appreciate it. I bagged him that. a dog. I would have a doggy bag. Friend, if there's an extra one. <laughs> That's exotic food right there. Hey, you yeah. want to eat Federation rations from over 100 plus years ago? <laughs> he likes fair. to eat things that are different, and I think he would appreciate He doesn't even have to eat it. It's like a trophy. Or a yeah. past from the past. For his palate. Yep. A past yep. palate. <laughs> Everyone's weird. That's fair. Okay. Just like that, it was easy to get in here, and what you were looking for was waiting for you. Just like that. It leaves you, Sol, with a... You just get a... There's just the sense that someone's yanking your chain a little bit and it doesn't feel good. Like, like there's there's a cosmic song being played and someone's using you as one of their notes and it doesn't feel great. <clears throat> it was too easy getting in. It was too easy getting the stuff. Keel, however, looks pleased as punch <laughs> as he's dragging this stuff out along with McCrell. As we're heading back to his facility and like I'm helping him like drag this crate and stuff, I'm just gonna look at Dr. Kill and be like, I don't fully trust you and I really don't like you, but I do respect you. I used a lot of your research and saving Sorax's life, so thank you. Oh, it's quite all right. I'm looking forward to reading your papers. And anything else you feel like handing over, I would be eternally grateful for. This was a, uh, he, he's an accomplishment. Well done. Yes, but he's not an experiment for you to dissect. Just remember that, please. I am aware of the parameters. Thank Besides, you. I don't really need any more meat from him anyway. <sighs> Yes. <laughs> just keep on the Ravity, that is a reaction gift if ever I saw one. <laughs> if ever I saw a reaction gift, that is <laughs> fucking excuse me. <laughs> Bat the eyes. <laughs> um unless there's anything else, that's this scene. You guys acquire what you you're here for. Um Yes. Weirdly, we're done here. Yeah, it, it's kind of, it's definitely forming a sense of disquiet, like what? I've the... been set up by the future, yes. <laughs> In a world where shore leave is dangerous, this is terrifyingly easy. <laughs> you, um, when you retreat from the facility, Prawl meets you on the streets and says, nothing, a couple of kids wandered by, that was about it. They looked inside, no danger. I don't think anybody even knew we were here. They'll find the food eventually. That'll go all right. I, I'd like to walk alongside McCrell. Okay, our back y'all are headed back for, for our side. Okay. He is a cyberneticist. His collaboration could be useful to help. We won't read him in unless you think it's worth it. If you fully trust this man, then I will fully cooperate. I because don't I trust, trust you, him at all. Captain. 
Oh, well then, fuck that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. We'll, well, can we take that out? We'll fix that. <laughs> no, I never said anything. Um, it's not a question of trust sometimes. Just like uh, Sorex doesn't have to trust us, we just have to work together. If you think it is his value, is worth it. The difference is, is that he has no choice but to trust us. Right now, we are all he has. Well, we are all he has. Are we enough? Or do we need him? That's the dance we must play, Captain. Is that the right words? That's the... Mm. You'll tell me. You're the expert. Can you do this alone? I can, but I don't think I want to, Captain. I think what Dr. Keel can... add to this he might actually see something that I miss his capacity for reason does seem extraordinary alright, I'll read him in and we can see what he can do when we get back to his mad science lab hmm and I'll head on over to Keel I wish I had some tea there might be some replicated back at his place. It won't be your, you unless you. No. You Not in this dress, Captain. I have no pockets. <laughs> I have some on the ship, yes, but I I can wait. It's fine, but no, only I have you. no pockets. You don't have to tell me. And this material is pathetic, and I just ripped the other side of it. <laughs> okay, tearing the I'm other just side. Just mad, just like this is not very reliable. Um. Kill. Yes. The chip in Sorx's brain, the one that was removed, it's allegedly implanted in all Tal Shiar operatives seem at least to be the highest level ones confirmed. It is an anti-telepathic device. One can only assume there's some sort of Riemann politics in there somewhere, but it has the inevitable effect of scrambling the operatives' brains. The Tal Shiar either won't or can't fix that, and we haven't been able to tell which it is, though naturally you can understand why we would very much like to that is what we are working with. That is what McCrell is trying to undo, and that is what we need your help with. Is the chip still in there, or is it not? The chip is gone. It's why we needed mm. this uh, fresh one, in effect. That way we could reverse engineer the mechanics of it. And figure out how to undo some of the damage by knowing exactly what it is and what mechanism of action interacted with the neurology in the first place. 
Well, let's take a look at what you have, and let's see what we can do. Well, I suppose, now that you've promised weapons to... What exactly is she going to do with those weapons? Oh, who knows? Local politics. That's mostly what it rolls down to. Oh, I can't believe the ch- <laughs> Your Starfleet is showing. <laughs> what isn't, Eric? <laughs> so, that's what we have. And then from there, it's all science and engineering. Well, let's, decorative. let's take a look at what you, what you have. So, uh, Rave, did I see that you wanted, did you have something you wanted to do or? No, I was responding to Sam's. It's just science and engineering with a <laughs> <laughs> Well, the engine is science and engineering. Okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so you get back to the lab and discover that Ativa's been here because when you arrive, the body is waiting for you. It's actually located in the middle of the lab, and you see uh, Sorex is standing over it, looking at it very, like like he's deep in reflection as he's staring at this dead Romulan operative. A former member of the Tal Shiar, still in full uniform, mm. and this, the look on Sorex's face as you all enter, he's having a moment. Um, you can tell it's been here for it probably only just arrived not too long ago without looking up as everyone enters into the room you all hear diane's voice welcome back doctor mm -hmm. while gone you received a visit from ativa the crime lord we are still calling her a crime lord doctor oh yes that's never changing uh let her know that we are better than square we are cubed this is Perfect, 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 perfect. I am very pleased. I will right. inform her. Sorex is standing over this body. As you approach him, McCrell and Saul, he just, he's looking at this body and he says, so many of us are told when we are young, that we are to inherit the glory of the galaxy, that it is our destiny as Romulans, and that the other race's destiny are to be subservient to us. We are conditioned to believe in our superiority from the moment we begin our training. But to tell Shiar a difference, we believe that we are even better than our fellows, that we've seen the truth. So much stupidity. So many lives taken and lost. But not yours. Not yet. Hopefully I not could today. He glances at you and he nods. 
If you and your ambassador had not taken a chance on me, Captain, I would have been this man. And we're making sure as few of your compatriots as possible have to go through this in the future. If you were conditioned, if you were fed those stories and that caused you to be willing to put that in your operatives like you shouldn't be harmed in the line of duty like that. Not anymore. Not if we can help it. Uh, I'm gonna look at Sorax and be like, uh, I think there is a way to accomplish what we need to do without putting the chip back in your head. With Dr. Q's help and perhaps the knowledge of his Diane, I feel if we use some of the information we incorporated with the nanites in your body with a an adaptable neurotransceiver, we could adjust to where you would get those same pulses to your brain without the chip actually being activated in your head? Would you like that, preferably? Without the chip, that would be ideal, yes. yes. We may have to put something in there. It may happen. I'll try not to, but we may have to put something in there. We'll I was try not trying to, to make it seem like we had alternatives. I love there are options, but we'll, we'll yes. start at the best and work our way down. Your bedside manner is wonderful, Doctor. Uh, most Thank you. I work with oh. are dead. So. He, he glances at you, Captain, and as he nods to all of this, he just says, the only chance my people have at having peace is if a Romulan Senate is reinstalled as the center of power. Sila must be stopped. We have to find out what Mindak wants with me. I will do whatever it takes. Did Mindak do this to you? You know that... <laughs> we don't know if oh. Mindak... Why are you laughing? Oh, you're, you're completely fucked. <laughs> I'll, I'll pull the chip out. That'll be fine. <laughs> we'll fix that. Oh, oh, Mendak, what a mess. <laughs> At least he knows our enemy. Hmm. And how are you related to Admiral Sela? God, that's hilarious. <laughs> oh, you must We don't know. Finally, I found a doctor with worse bedside manner than me. I'm so yeah. pleased. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, mine's way better. Sweet. So, so were you were you caught working for Admiral Sela? Is that what happened? Is that why Mendek is like all over you? I don't know. Why would Mendek be all over me for working for Sela? Oh, there. I mean, it's, it's he's been causing trouble for them for like nonstop lately. <laughs> Wait. Saul cocks their head to the side and you see him stiffen a little bit and says, what do you mean Mindek has been causing trouble for Sila? Um, I feel like that was... I mean, that's 
anybody who's around. Mendek's been making trouble for a while now. I mean, there's that tech is, uh, at least in the people I talk to, that tech is uh, fascinating. It's actually related to some of the work I've been doing. Uh, I would kill to get a hand, <laughs> a little bit of that, if you ever come across. Shut it. up. <laughs> Tell me. Are you telling me that Mendak and Sila are enemies? I'm... Yes. You said he was an honorable man when you told me about him, Sorax. An honorable man, but driven by idealism. He could easily believe in Sila's cause. I thought they were together on this. Uh, I have it on pretty good authority that that is, uh, <laughs> that is not the case. <laughs> pretty good authority. Hmm. Put the I'd puzzle so. pieces back together, and maybe you'll remember enough to find out. Hmm. Let's do this right now. Let's try the hard way, and if it doesn't work, we will move on to the easy way. Um, so I'm assuming he has everything, files on all of us, so if, um, I can just maybe be like, um... So he has our personal files too. So I could actually access my personal files through Diana or Diane, right? You don't know the extent. Mm -hmm. it, it, the personal files that he has right now look like your. It, it's a list of like papers you've published, but it not necessarily access to those papers, which is probably why he's asking you for them. It's uh, it's it's sort of like a list of accomplishments, where you serve, and what you are. You get the impression that it's like a snapshot database. He probably doesn't have in-depth personnel files on like who you are, so much as where you serve and what your name is and what your rank is and what your yeah that kind military of military record. Exactly. Yeah. And a bit so of a quickly, I'm going to brief him on how we took uh, technology from a regeneration alcove that we repaired on a quarantined planet of Borg that were removed from the collective. What, uh, thank you, the collective. Uh, and mixed that with a dermal regenerator and, and the nanites and reprogram. I'm basically just giving you everything sure. I did. I, I will and say kind this. of walking you through it. I, I will say this, Dr. Keel, this is the first you've heard that there is a planet in Klingon space that has been quarantined oh, right. because there is a colony of former Borg survivors currently trying to build lives for themselves there. Oh, but that, it's not secret anymore, right? That, that, is a, that is the first you've ever heard of that. Well, but also that Klingon intelligence would not disclose the circumstances under which those Klingons encountered a sphere in the first place, that which might right. be of particular Very, interest to Keel. That, that's a good point. Yes, the, the the particular interest is is they you don't know how the hell they would have encountered Borg tech, uh, but apparently, there it is. Yeah, we um, used, uh, information from a regenerative alcove that we repaired. You know, just on a yeah. typical Tuesday, uh, with our dermal regenerators and used. Basically, I could, basically I I I did what a, the captain would do and medically MacGyvered. Um, all kinds of stuff and spent months uh rolling really well <laughs> so he's he's everything's everything's healed it's just that the neural pathways are have not been restored and or the data is just missing and is in the in the chip and the chip's holding all the data yeah so the data like uh basically de deteriorated his brain especially it messed with his memory lobes and and at different um, sections of his brain the nanites have repaired most of that um 
tissue, but there's just nothing that's like uh, the the chip need. We need like we need the exact. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like not yeah, the, like the, the spikes. Basically, of the chip looking for a bridge yeah. to try to access right. uh, the neural oh, yeah. pathways that have been wrecked. Hopefully, that gives us easy access to extant memories because we don't have the chip as the sort of like airplane black box to fall back on. Right. Uh, but by having this chip in the dead Romulan, we'll see, oh, this is how it interfaces, therefore this is how we can bridge. Oh, Thank that's... you, Sam. This may come as a surprise, but I'm not actually a, a doctor. I just play one on Twitch, so, you know, it's crazy, I know. Oh, we all. But, uh, <laughs> so much easier when you can just say, I'm a cleric, I pray, bam, you're healed. Yeah. Um, mm. Okay. Um, running, the two of you basically begin to confer sharing medical knowledge and whatnot. Uh, I'll give you this keel. This medical doctor, this Cation, is quite knowledgeable for her field and a benefit. And you actually find the conversation to be quite stimulating as the two of you begin to propose ideas. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, because of time constraints, we're gonna just have this be a straight up roll, but I'm gonna set the difficulty at five. All right. So which is max difficulty, at least on the scale that we normally play at. Um, so the way this is going to work <sighs> is one of you is going to make this roll. This is going to be the check as you conduct the surgery to basically uh, use, you're not necessarily, if I remember correctly, you're not putting the chip back in his brain, but you're trying to mimic the energy patterns of the chip to restore the neural pathways, which were degenerated by the same energy pattern. You're trying to reverse engineer that the effect that this chip, which is supposed to be essentially a dead chip, dead man chip, mm -hmm. you're trying to reverse engineer the damage it does to restore it in memory. So this is some pretty experimental tech. So mm -hmm. both of you have focuses that are gonna come into play here on that. Um, I think my, um, you said, I, I, I don't it's know. It's experimental I, medicine. What you're trying to do has never been done before. Uh, if I remember correctly, you have quick study as well. I, that's what I was going to say, that this is definitely an unfamiliar medical procedure that would would uh, ignore any difficulty increases that you would play onto that. So And yeah, I threw it up to five, but uh, I can't, I can't really increase it beyond that. Um, yeah. While we but, do that, may I ask uh, that LaCat take the most thorough scan in the history of quantum level scans of the chip, because we were originally going for schematics, because mm -hmm. we're trying to ultimately mm -hmm. fabricate a version of this chip that doesn't uh, melt brains. That means that uh, LaCat's up to bat on getting just a full scan, the scanniest of scans. So, so the cat, you can use Diane for that. Scan, but I think I would have to use Keel's equipment, right? Because we came without our tricorder. Yeah, I was just saying, you can use Diane for that. Great, perfect. So you're going to get um, an assist from Diane. Diane, may I have your assistance? Yes, Lieutenant LeCat. Um, so, oh my god, I just blanked. Sam, what exactly do you need me to do? Uh, full scan, so basically we'll have schematics of the OG chip that yeah. then when we're back on the ROS later, we can figure out how to do the 2.0. Cool. Um, in that case... Uh, Who knows how they're going to hack this thing to pieces. We're gonna so we want to get a full clean one before they get to work. Um, Diane, I'm sure you are capable of scanning things. <laughs> as you so wonderfully scanned us when we entered. That is correct, Lieutenant. 
Um, can I have your assistance in scanning this chip? Yes, Lieutenant. And so I'd like to go ahead and roll for that. Reason science. Uh, can I assist here with experimental technology? I like you, Diane. You are a lot yes. kinder. Uh, can I do this from the control engineering side, do you think? Yes, if you're saying that you're monitoring like the scan that Diane is doing as well as helping sort of like... I'm making sure that the scan that we're getting will give us the kind of schematics that tech will want later. Okay, okay, totally cool. Yeah, go ahead. Um, That's another one for me. Is there any way, so I'm going to be rolling Reason Science, right? Is that okay. cool, Eric? Um, yeah. And can I use my Xenobiology focus to basically yes. look, because this was a piece of biological tech? Mm, mm, no, actually, Xenobiology would not come into play here. This is literally a cybernetic chip that you were trying to get a detailed scan of. What this about has nothing to do with alien analogy. What's that? Sensors for a scan? Sensors would definitely work. Okay. Yeah, cool. Um, um, and, uh, I'm going to set the difficulty for this at four, but what I'm going to go ahead and do is initiate that since Diane is helping you, it's functioning like a tricorder, so I'll reduce oh. the difficulty down to three. Great. Um, and in that case, I have three successes if, we're, if I can use my sensor's focus. Yeah. What'd you get, Sam? One, so four total. So you get as the so first of all the scan the Diane begins to initiate with your help and Captain Saul's help you begin to get such a detailed scan that it's actually going to take about the same length as the surgery it right. is going down to the molecular level and beginning to scan as it's going through and you guys are seeing oh my god you had almost nothing back on board the Ross. You thought you had about 50% of this chip. You had nothing. Because as you're scanning through this, you're able to like see the holes of how much it was destroyed itself and how much damage this probably wreaks upon the brain of an operative. Oh good, there was a point to all of this. You <laughs> also know that the stasis field that this Romulan has been kept in and the condition that this Romulan is in is deteriorating. So even this chip is actually in a state of advanced decay, but it's being kept at bay specifically because of the tech that's used, but nothing is going to stop this Romulan's brain from being destroyed by this procedure. That, however, he's not really using it anymore. So, um, now we're gonna have you guys roll. So the difficulty is five. So, so Tal, uh, Keel, Keel's gonna be using his control medicine check. Mm -hmm. You get an auto success for using control. Can I add a focus to this, or? Uh, yes. Uh, that's a cybernetics, I think would be the correct. Yep. Uh, so uh, does that, I'm trying to remember how this works. So that's a. <laughs> Sam, did you just figure this out? <laughs> oh no, it's just impressive that you did it twice on reason oh, yeah. and control. Reason and control, yes. Yeah, no, I see it and I appreciate it and. <laughs> so what does the focus uh, give me? It does uh, my attribute, my attribute discipline uh, is at 17. 17 so okay so what your focus does is you see how you have a medicine of five mm -hmm. normally you would get a critical hit if you rolled a one but since your focus is in play you get a critical hit if you roll five or lower okay so two two d20s two d20 unless you guys want to purchase dice using momentum which you can do tal's never done that before so you'll have to you got uh, four momentum get up yeah, to uh two oh wait uh did oh. we net and any from the uh, from the check we just did yeah we got yeah. one from the cats so now we're down if, if he takes one we'll be down to three 
Um. Well, then he can. And take then I two. was also I was also planning on okay. taking one for my role. Okay. Mm. Then we'll yeah. give both of you one. Great. So, uh, real quick though, Tal, keep in mind because of the delicacy of this procedure and the trait that's giving you the auto success, you also have an increased complication range by one. Oh, so I'll just take. I'll, I won't take a spare die. You should probably take a spare die because okay. you're going to be because a 19 or 20 is going to be a complication, yeah. but you also enhance your ability to succeed. You can also call upon your value to get an automatic critical success here. Oh. So you can pick a value here if you want that you think would apply to this moment. I, th I think that there's always a solution. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, there's always a solution. Apply. Okay, yeah. so you've automatically got two critical successes. All right. Damn. All right, here we go. All right. So you got two crit. You got two successes and um, three dice. Okay, go ahead and make your roll. Um, that is an 18, a 17, and a 3. So, four successes total, but two complications? No. no. One complication. Extraordinary attribute. One. Oh, that's straight. You got an 18 and a 17. You missed it by got close, one. but no complications. If I had just remembered to spin threat. Mm. You would have nailed a complication on that. I hate to be that guy. Hmm. Doesn't extraordinary attribute expand the complication range by two? Just no, so by one. Hit? Only no, by one. It's not extraordinary attribute. He's augmented. I'm augmented. Ah. He's an augmented human. Got it. Oh, he's. I wouldn't do anything so. to anybody that I wouldn't do to myself. It's it's. This is out of character, so nobody is aware of this. But but uh, Talison is genetically augmented. He is wow. A legal yeah, human augmented being. gives the anyway. <laughs> yeah, if I figure something out, I try it, it out on myself. He, so, he does augment to both reason and control. So he is, um, hard drive. He, he, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so that, you know, this out of character watching the medical procedure and even you, McCrell, the control, the finesse, the genius is stunning. Watching him work is like watching a conductor. It's watching art, the way he handles himself, the anticipation of an event, and to stay ahead of it, the way he conducts himself in surgery that should take six hours, at least takes one hour, and you watch it unfold in front of you. And McCrell, at first, you're starting to feel like you're more of uh, you're more of an assist here. You're more of just like, you're his nurse trying to help him like complete this task. There's a bit of frustration that you wanna be a little more involved in what's going on considering your experience. But before long, you find yourself feeling like an audience member watching this surgery unfold. You have a widespread of skill sets that make you vital to the USS Ross. This is somebody whose brilliant mind has been honed to do exactly what he's doing right now. and do it better than anything. I'm a little jealous, <laughs> but important. You, Thank you, you did a very good job of making these roads very smooth. Oh, did I say that out loud? Shit. <laughs> um, worry, yes, worry, I, I mean, I mean, you you did okay. You did okay. I don't need I've... my ears or my mouth for this, so there's no problem. I'm always happy to talk. As the procedure begins to wrap up, Dermal regenerator, the cranial regenerator, everything, the bone. He's going to experience mild, dull headache as somebody who just had surgery on their brain. But for the most part, for a back alley doctor with subpar medical tools, 
he conducts a surgery that would probably have been filmed and watched over and over at Starfleet Medical for years to come. And when he's done, he sets down the laser scalpel like he just finished playing a video game. <laughs> Looking up at the screen, you see all the life support systems are completely operational. Uh, it was another successful surgery. And Diane even says as much. Subject is stable, Doctor. We'll be awakening in just moments. Congratulations. Mercrell's going to replay it back later. Uh, <laughs> just, uh, for her own, like, just like sit back with a cup of tea later and just be like, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Doctor. That was extraordinary. Thank you. It's, uh, it's tools of the trade. Tools of the trade. And believe me, I got plenty out of it. Uh, I'm gonna look at Dr. Kill and be like, I still don't trust you, but I like you a little more. Thank you. I don't need to be trusted. Oh, God, that reminds me. Wow. Um, I'm gonna do a quick scan about, a uh, quick data scan about Tachyon Vulcan. Mm. Uh, you, are you scanning for chronotons? Chronotons and also see if any there's anything in the file about it, any any Vulcan agents in the area. If I'm being um, a chronoton scan from Diane being much more thorough than the one back at the base, you detect a small pocket of chronoton particles inside the case of medical supplies. Hmm. I feel like I've been bought off. <laughs> we were. No, I'm perfectly happy to be bought off. You, I would worry about. If you happen to find out any more about it, it's uh, you have my number. With a no, thorough scan, I, with, with with a thorough scan, just to be just to be completely clear, with a thorough scan from Diane, it's coming from an object inside the medical case. I'm going to just start rummaging and find it. You start pulling it out. You see a Federation data pad at the very bottom of the case. Looks modern. Snatch it up. I'm just going to do a quick data pull off of it, and then is there any... Who Who is this for? Um... You don't know, but the moment the the moment you pick it up and the screen activates and begins to display the data on it, you get the impression it's probably meant for the people surrounding you. Because what you see is core setting and coordinates to an uncharted wormhole. You see the data readout begin to begin to appear in the upper right-hand corner. And the most extraordinary thing, Dr. Keel, you're kind of watching this data readout begin to unfold. There is a wormhole that is never been charted and is scheduled to appear in the next two days about six hours from nimbus three Somewhere and its arrival left. point is near a particle fountain that has only recently been charted in shackleton oh. this is obviously for you we are being played like puppets I Sol, we're off to go find the tune we're dancing to. Sol, the, the wormhole is in space that has been charted. In other words, you're being told 
that in three days, a wormhole that has never existed before is going to appear, as they sometimes do, and it will be stable enough to use once before it collapses again. Oh, Lieutenant, I'm so sorry. Time is so very, very haunted. I have come to accept that, Captain. You hear the harsh whisper of a Romulan coming around. <laughs> and the wheezed, the wheezed, incredulous laugh of Sorex. Who just... <laughs> and he motions you closer. Well, he's laughing. That must be a good sign. I have I have snickerdoodles ready. Okay. I don't. I didn't you even think in. he liked them, but apparently he does. Captain, you lean in, and he just goes. <laughs> you see this sardonic smile on his face, and the harsh whisper of the word, Father. And that is where we are leaving tonight's episode. Damn you, Campbell! Damn! Mm. This was so much fun. Uh, hey, Tal, thanks for playing with us tonight. Yeah, oh, man, thank you. That was fun. <sighs> thank oh, you for man. helping fix our secret agent's brain. That was yeah. a good time. No, it was great. Thank you for playing our illegal augmented section 31 on the run <laughs> back Literally like every red flag of Starfleet you have. Like <laughs> there are new flags being sewn by Diane in the back just to have more red flags. It's a tent made of red flags. It's just <laughs> taking shelter oh, in a tent of red well, flags. It wasn't Burning Man, but it was still fun to play with you. Oh, thank no. you. Yeah. <laughs> um, everybody uh, who tuned in tonight, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Clear Skies as we continue to dive deep into the fun, whimsical world of Star Trek. We hope you guys have a lovely Star Trek day tomorrow. Uh, I highly encourage watching some of the original movies. Those things are awesome. Um, we will catch you guys next Monday for the journey of the USS Ross where we will see Captain Exio, the holographic Captain Gina DeVivo, who is going to be facing down a cloaked Romulan warbird. Um, who knows? Will our crew make it back in time? We will see. And we will see. <laughs> I'm going to tell Gina to read up on ship combat either way. <laughs> All the sympathy, the look of sympathy on Sam's face. <laughs> we love you guys so much. Thank you for joining us and for supporting the stream punks. We will catch you next Monday night. Until then, hailing frequencies are closed. <laughs>